as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you... Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion is... Klingon best. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trippers. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new content and new stuff. To follow the girl word, no podcast has gone forth. Hello and welcome to episode 241 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio today, we have got... Evening, everyone. It's Dragon. Oh my god! He's like, he's back! Guys, Dragon is back! Yeah, yeah, Dragon's back. Dragon's back. I'm Sun, by the way, and that was Stu. So... Not much happening in the news this week. But yeah, we have it's got a some. very short show. You just wrap it up in like 20 minutes, right? Yeah, there's like totes only one headline here. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the day. Okay. Well, first up, Star Trek Online. So, we have had the Lakari competition ship um, where we get to choose what's being built. That has been chosen. I, I, I gotta say, I gotta say, it's... I was part of this thing that happened recently called the GNT 24 Hours of GNT Fundraiser Marathon. And, Hadn't uh, heard of it. That was a lot of fun, but we had <laughs> we had Kipley Brown on uh, at, for, one, for an hour. And she, for those of you who don't know, Kipley Brown is the voice actress who plays Captain Kumarki. And uh, during this, during this, she goes, well, what what do you mean there's a chip design contest for the Lakari? So during the course of the hour, we wind up giving her the link. And guess what she chooses? She chooses Team Charlie as the semifinals are going on. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's not until... After the voting is over, that she has a public tweet choosing Team Charlie on Twitter. Oh my god. 
Talk about somebody who's not going to influence elections, unlike what's going on in the United States. But yeah, yeah it was a... Always is fun to have Kipley on. Though we haven't actually had Kipley on Tribbles, but she's been on the GNT show many a time. Yes, yes. I do gotta say, though, um, if you haven't heard that hour with Kipley Brown and Al Rivera, because Al had spent the previous hour with him and stayed for the Kipley interview, you need to go check it out, because there's... um, there's some tidbits that were given away during that hour about what's coming for the anniversary event. Hey, uh, no spoilers. Oh, it's uh-huh. not a spoiler, because nothing was announced, except hey. a new voice actor that's been signed who we don't know who it is yet. That's a Trek star. That we've not seen or had in-game yet. But uh, yeah, Team Alpha 1. So, for those of you who can't remember and are just listening in, that is the ship that looks a little bit like those that people have reported seeing here on Earth over the past couple of decades. Which it's is the, the triangular it's the, shape. Yeah, it's the three light triangle UFO. It's the, uh, what do they call that? Equilateral triangle shape? Yup. I know Stu's. I know Stu's all all for calling it the cheese, the cheese wedge class. But if you want a real cheese wedge class, you're kinda have to kind of give that to the Seagulls. I was also thinking it looks like um, those planes that don't exist that weren't made by the United States Air Force. Those were cylindrical in shape. No, there's um. There's planes that don't exist that look like that as well. I believe it's the TR-3B. I don't know, but if... Star Wars droid. I don't know, but if we're going to start getting into experimental US craft, I would really like a... I would really like a a Star Trek Online version of the B-2 Spirit Bomber. Is that the one with, like, the pointy bits at the back? It's like teeth. Mm-hmm. That is pretty swish. <laughs> I mean, they've already they've already made those pilot ships that, that are modeled somewhat after the, um, the Blackbird, the SR-71 Blackbird. Well, Alex Wonder in chat said that Kipley Brown also plays the character in Star Trek Continues. And that she does. And for those of you who haven't seen Star Trek Continues, um, go to StarTrekContinues.com. So, uh, it's a really good show. I've enjoyed catching up on that. Um, now, after see, I here... did my TOS rewatch. Now, here's the weird thing. See, I'm a person who's good with faces, like like visual recognition and not names. So when I tur- when I heard that that Kipley Brown was going to be doing a voice in Star Trek Online, I didn't think of this blonde-haired lady that was in Continues. I thought of the redhead who was the counselor in Continues. Completely different actress. Yes. I thought I oh, remembered her from Enterprise. To- she's she's going to be in Star Trek Online. That's cool. 
I can't wait to. Oh, this lady with the blonde hair. Oh, okay. Yep, and for those of you who haven't watched Star Trek Continues, as Stu Dog just said, um, Kipley Brown did appear in Star Trek Enterprise. She was Trip's sister. Um, so. Who got murdered horribly! So. Because no one in the 24th century ever talks about the way the Earth got attacked and, like, boom, Florida got wiped off the map. They they treat it kind of like Germany does World War II. Uh, okay, Nazis were a thing. It happened. Get over it. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to get over it. It's, it's, it's literally what they do. So, Team Alpha are the winners and there are no dates of when we expect to see the ship uh, yes there is yes there is it's the event ship uh, anniversary event ship if I remember correctly it's, well again part of that interview was was <laughs> was was Al Rivera saying sometime in February so yeah so there's no actual firm date but as I was going to say it is due out for the anniversary event whenever they run that in February. So, so yeah, um, it'll be a few months yet before we see it. Um, so, uh, they've got yeah. a they've got a few months to they've got a few months to actually make the ship, kind of like what they did with the Jupiter class. And speaking of the Jupiter class, when are we getting our conformed, remade, choose your own ship typhoon? For the Federation. Because um, we've done that with the Jupiter now, but we have not, we have yet to do that with the Typhoon. And of all the, of all the, of all the, of all the, that's the ugliest ship in the universe. I want to fly it stuff. The Typhoon is the only one still out there that people go, I want to fly it. Because we have our Jupiter class now. I've always thought the Typhoon was ugly in the same way that the B-52 is ugly, but it's classic. It's beautiful ugly, you know. Well, yeah, it's because it's it's exactly what Cryptic says it hates the most. It's a kit bash. It is is a horrifying kit bash. I thought the Typhoon was just an NPC ship. It is. It is an NPC ship. It was a NPC battleship for the Federation, and it's a yeah. bash because it's got the the Severus variant of the Prometheus's nacelles, four of them on the back in clusters of two, <laughs> and it's um it had uh what was it? I think it had an intrepid like saucer on it, and it had one of the cruiser bodies, and it was this battleship. <laughs> Had funky nacelles, but yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. The the Prometheus variants, if you kit bash them, you can make the Prometheus look like a mean son of a sucker, and to have them rip the Cerberus nacelles off of the Prometheus, scale them up, and shove them on a cruiser, woo, that looked nasty. <laughs> I mean, it almost looked Klingon. If the Klingons designed a Federation starship. (laughs) 
I just want to know when they're going to let us design a Klingon ship. Oh, you mean like the choose your own cavort adventure? That would be nice. Yeah, that would be a good start. Speaking of cavort, uh, you know, everybody talks about yesterday's Enterprise. What about the defector? You know, that episode where, quote-unquote, Klingon warships the size of a Dederodex that are actually Burrells, three of them show up in the neutral zone when the Enterprise crosses over. To uh, Yeah, those massive beasts. Yeah, see, they, a lot of people go, yeah, but they're, they're smaller than the, the... No, 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 go back and watch that confrontation. There are two, there are two Dederodex, and, and there are three Burrell ships... Type, type, you know, the, the the bird of prey type Klingon ships, and two of them are behind the Dederodex and have a longer wingspan than the Dederodex is wide in that shot. That, in that, means shot. that means they're huge. Yeah, in that shot, it's like it's like the same as the the shelf at the back of the Enterprise. That's how big a wingspan on those things are. It's like as big as a seagull. But isn't it just in that episode, this scene? No, I don't think we see him again. No, not those huge ones. Because we we see them again when they're called the Cavort class battle cruisers in yesterday's Enterprise. So they have to exist at some point in both universes. That has to be a thing that exists, and Cryptic can't go and explain it away because, oh, it's not canon, or, oh, no, it's not it's not realistic to have a bullshit. You, you're allowing, and this is an Alex, this is an Alex rant, you're allowing people in tier six ships to have the original Enterprise B, the, the Excelsior skin on these tier six ships. 200 plus years advanced ships. Don't and then tell there's the tier 6 Connie. Don't tell me that the Klingons wouldn't go, hey, this bird of prey is a really good design. Maybe we should, like, scale it up into an actual huge freaking war machine. Add more guns. I mean, didn't you create a character specifically that was a Klingon that even Klingons went, whoa, that dude's nuts for explosions. Oh, what, the um, 90 million torpedoes in the one torpedo? Yeah, like that that guy. Uh, where, you know, come on. <laughs> the Klingon civilization cannot exist without engineers and scientists. That's how these, That's how these ships are made in the first place. You can't tell me that there's not an engineer or a scientist that goes, you know what's a really good thing? We're supposed to be Russians, right? Well, we have this design that is really, really good. What if we scaled it up and put more guns on it? Or at least made bigger guns go on it? And it still had the same cloaking features. Now, we, yeah, sure, we're going to lose maneuverability, we have more guns! We don't need the maneuverability! I mean, come on! Where's where's the Klingon... Co and speaking of that, where are the Klingon standalone ships? 
like, you know, the Klingon ships that come out without being in the three-pack of, like, the other stuff. Because the Federation seems to get that shit constantly. And where's the Romulan shit like that, for that matter? You know, Cryptic, Cryptic goes on this roundabout all the time. Well, not, a pe not enough people play this race. Not enough people play that race. And then goes right back into the old hat, the old hat trick of saying, "Well, most of our money goes for, comes from the Federation players." Well, guess what? Sh guess what, numbnuts? What ships are you constantly pumping out? Federation. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm glad I brought popcorn. <laughs> anyway Extra Life 2016 November 5th which for us in Europe it already is and for those of you in the US um, that is tomorrow and for those of you listening to the recording you've missed it so Perfect World uh, supporting an Extra Life live stream again now, they're going to be hosting a 13-hour live stream on the Perfect World Twitch channel. Good luck, which... Captain Smirk. Oh, wait. Sorry. My bad. Which, which will be from 9am to 10pm Pacific. And they're going to be doing, and they've got this in bold, major giveaways, answering questions, and hanging out with the community. So remember, this is Perfect World, not just Star Trek Online. And Star Trek Online, um, they will have people doing a Stowe stream from 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific. Now, just, just to make it a little bit easier for those of you that are currently listening, that starts in about 13 hours. And one of the major prizes that they have announced that's going to be going out with this stream is a brand new NZXT full tower case. And it's nice. <laughs> and for those of you in the UK, that starts about 4am and goes on to 6am. Which will be Sunday morning. So, uh, yeah, be interesting to see who will be heading over there. Um, I plan on sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just remember, with these prizes, um, if you're not in the US, what tends to happen for anything physical, because um, sometimes they'll have other gifts like keyboards, mice and stuff. Um, they won't send that abroad. They'll only send that to US addresses. So you'll get something to the equivalent value of it. Um, they've also said that they're going to be giving away an EMH boff. Um, you've got an Extra Life Admiral title with five crafting packs. You've got some ultimate tech upgrades. You've got some flagship mega bundles, Agents of Yesterday expansion pack, and all three expansion packs, Pilot Mega Bundle, Command Mega Bundle, and a Tier 6 flagship bundle. 
Damn, all they left out was the Dyson ship bundle. They wait, went, wait, wait, wait. They, Are you saying there's a there's actually a prize that is all the expansion packs in one bundle? Now, like what? like the Legacy of Romulus, the Delta expansion and Agents of Yesterday? These if are prizes. Sorry, are, Steve, on you go. These are prizes you can get for donating. And each one of those is a tier. So to get that top one, you need to donate $1,337. And you get all that. Right. I'm not going to be bribed for that. That's way too expensive. I think there's one there for like 25000 as well. Uh, yeah, but that's not filled in for Star Trek Online. Ah. So, um... So, yeah. If you're listening live and you want to go and see what's going on head over to um, twitch at twitch.tv and then it's um, perfect world entertainment is their twitch channel if I recall correctly oh no it's not it's perfect world underscore community I think yeah just checked it yeah <laughs> so Moving on, at the moment we've got the Crystalline Catastrophe that has returned. So that will reward 50,000 Dilithium, 500 Fleet Marks, 250 Marks of Reputations, and then you can get the bonus projects afterwards. You just need to complete it 14 times. Now this is going to be going on for I think is it three weeks? Yep. Yeah. Uh, the it's, it's next been like weeks. that the past. Yeah, it's been happening like that for each past event yeah. as well. It goes for three weeks, so you've got you've got seven days to lay about, you slacker. So hopefully this won't be like the mirror universe where I'm one short. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Also, yay! My six crystal shard just went in. Yes, well, do the math. It's only been out for two days, and I've already got six shards in. Well, I've put three in. No, four in. Because I had three already. And I did the one today. I This is the first day I've logged in for a few days. So I didn't get to do it Thursday. Save your shards! See, the thing is, the thing is, because the... Because the anniversary and winter and summer stuff becomes an account unlock, yeah, they're wholly going to hold the whole uh, the whole the currency changes every year. For an event thing where you have to run it on each individual character, they're not going to do that. At least we hope not, anyway. So yeah, get in game. And one of the other rewards is a crystal radiation projector, Mark 13. So. And this guy deals radiation damage when fired upon your enemies. Now, it's a ground weapon, is it not, Stu? Yes. 
from what I can gather, it's similar to the Herald stuff. Interestingly enough, I find it absolutely funny that the box for, that this reward comes in for the Crystalline event says Rare Inventory Tholian Assault Weapon. That's what the box... I'm Right now, I'm staring at my events tab, and that's what it says. You know, I've got the I've got the event reputation that comes with it, the the little completion title, the fifty thousand dilithium, the five hundred marks, the box of choice marks, and then the box that's got the weapon in it, and it says Tholian assault weapon. Does it give you a little story like uh, this weapon was nicked off the Tholians or anything nope. like that? No, it says sure. Tholian assault weapon, rare inventory, character bind on pickup. This package contains a Tholian assault weapon. Values do not reflect skills or other modifiers. <laughs> I want to get my hands on this thing and see what it, how much carnage it can cause with it. I don't know. If it does radiation damage, is it an energy type? Because I wouldn't think radiation damage would be an energy type. And if it's not an energy type, does that mean the board can uh, can 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 or cannot adapt to it? Uh, actually, if I'm understanding correctly, the radiation qualifies as an exotic damage. Well, the bullet could technically the bullet from the the TR one one six could technically qualify as exotic damage. I mean, it's a bullet! That's fucking exotic! <laughs> well, I think that's termed as kinetic, because it's the same as smashing the Borg in the face with your fist. True, but it's still exotic because we don't see it all that often. Unless you've got a friend in the R&D system. I still prefer a Batleth. It's a much more elegant weapon. Oh no, I tend to agree. Just don't use the Christmas Batleth. Because they will adapt to it, because it's an energy weapon. Plasma Batleth. Use the short, the, the, the shard sword of Kaelas that you picked up on that one mission, and then somehow Kaelas got his hands on his own on his own weapon that Worf and, what was it, Kord sent flinging off into space. So, we have a piece of that Batleth, and yet... Nah, the Iconians kinda sorted that, did not. Well, no, see, that's the thing. We actually got a piece of that Batleth before that mission even took place. And so, Kaelas was using his Batleth while we had a piece of his Batleth as an entire Batleth itself for our personal use. How many how many Kaelas Batleths exist at this point? Because well, he I've used got his one and own you've got Batleth. One. He used his own Batleth and fell to an Iconian after lobbing off an arm. Well, at the moment there's also a lifetime subscription sale that's going on. Um a couple of weeks ago, this came out for the consoles, so it's reduced by a third. 
So instead of it being um, three hundred dollars, it's now two hundred. So links will be in our show notes. Should you wish to purchase it? Now we had some patch notes released for this week's patch. So they've done some fixes that allow people still using Windows XP um, to actually load the game. And Yay why for backwards compatibility! And why anyone is still using XP, I do not know. Uh, because the military? I mean, if you if you really truly think about it, by the time the U.S. military had actually upgraded all of their computers, like their entire computer network to XP, e yeah, we were already on seven, eight, whatever the hell we were going into nine and ten with. That's that's that. They were <laughs> the United States military was mostly upgrading their entire arsenal of computers from Windows 95 to XP! No one told them about the free upgrade to Windows 10? Most, most XP operating systems can't handle the upgrade! Well, uh, XP wasn't included as part of the free upgrade anyway. Only Windows 7 and 8 was. And there was no 9. They skipped a number. No, no, there was a 9. No. There was, there, there was a 9. There was a 9. They did the internal testing and they went, okay, this is we, we know this is supposed to be our Millennium Edition, so we're going, to, we're going to scrap it right here and now and move on. I heard they skipped a 9 because it caused some kind of mental clash with computers because they were thinking it was like 90-something. No, what it was, um, there's a couple of things. One, with Windows 10, they're planning to keep this operating system for quite a while, and they're going to be releasing lots of small updates continuously. So this one's going to be sticking around an awful lot longer than previous ones. Secondly, with things like Windows 95 and 98, um, it stopped people getting confused when doing searches. So they didn't bother doing the 9, and instead of calling it a name like you had with sort of Vista and a couple of others where it wasn't a number, that they just did it as 10. I see, that's, this, is, this is the thing for technology anyway. All of this stuff, when it's in development, is locked under... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Code. You know, they have like a code word for the thing. Like, what was it? Wasn't it like Windows 8 was codenamed uh, Windows Longhorn or something? Yeah. You know, when all this stuff is in development, they have these little code names. That's why the Nintendo Switch was called the Nintendo NX for the longest time. Yeah, they've had some real sort of strange ones before um sort of i think 95 was actually called um some of the city names um i think it was detroit or i think they might have been chicago there's a they may have actually been both because there was a 
um, an extra build for 95 as well. I mean, you know, <laughs> at this point, the funniest thing is that all of all of Google's OS code names and even their OS code name, like like release names, are are coded as jabs at Apple. I mean, come on, you know you've got you've got this big Macintosh company over here who rides on the Apple shape, and you've got you've got Google over here going pear, chocolate, marshmallow, <laughs> Kit Kat. Exactly. It's just like they're just poking Mac over there. They're poking <laughs> Macintosh, going, "Hey, hey, look at, look at," and Macintosh is over here going, "Panther." Jaguar, lion. It's like okay, so you're you're memeing it up with the cat pictures. Okay, Macintosh, do whatever the hell you want to do. So um, there's also been updates to the lighting. Um, they resolved issues with the resolution render scale that was defaulting it to 0.2 or 0.4, which made it look like something from the Nintendo Entertainment System playing Mario. Oh, oh no, oh no. It looked more like, uh, yeah, almost Atari on mine. It was like, holy shit, bad. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that should now be fixed. And whether or not it will actually fix anyone who got set to that, um, or it'll only fix people who now log in, I'm not too sure. Um... They've also done some other fixes as well with the lighting as well. And they've also done it that the crystalline entity visually looks closer to how it did prior to the recent lighting updates. Which means it's a whole hell of a lot darker now, which is really bad. Actually, I really like it because I can actually see it. All I used to see beforehand was this bright glow. I couldn't actually see it half the time. Now I can actually see the detail. I can't. I can hardly see it at all now, which is probably an, another effect of the transparency problem I'm having. Hmm. But I think it looks really good at the moment. They also did some changes to the current featured episode called Echoes of Light and they've also resolved an issue with Storming the Spire where um, the queue would automatically complete phase 3 on Elite I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed that bug <laughs> did make it a lot faster <laughs> never even knew about that one They've also made fixes for people who lost their kits during the kit revamp scripts. So that should now be appearing. Um, so there's a load of other little fixes as well. The known issues are down as foundry functions will not be available for an extended period of time due to the updates needed for the lighting update. So, and of course some people may find that lighting may be too bright or dark on some maps. And yeah, they also, one of the nice things that they did is if you do have a temporal tune, you can now claim the rewards again. Thank God. Yes, actually, yes. Actually, 
was reading some people on the forums are noticing that the the the, the patch note that they were supposed to be increasing the the speed at which the visual for torpedoes fire towards the ship has been increased and that hasn't been the case with the people doing all their mathy things because metagaming so that that may still be an issue that's um but yeah i must admit i am enjoying the new lighting updates i know there have been some people who have had problems with it but hopefully they shall get them fixed soon including you son because i know um you're still it's... having problems seeing <laughs> okay let me explain this for 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 those of you who who don't understand what's going on with for me the lighting is wonderful with one exception for some strange reason when my ship is on you know a dark side when i'm looking at it for from the the darkness of space it looks fine the metallic bits kind of radiate with the sunlight like they're supposed to and everything looks great and wonderful the moment my ship hits a, a mesh that is supposed to be lit up like it's a sun or it is a it is a nebulous plasma cloud most of my ship turns transparent now i can see all the little details of the ship you know like the the you know like because i fly in the marauder it's got the the little designs going up down the ship i can see those designs but i can see through them too and you know i can see through my ship and the windows are still there you know just there it's kind of like <laughs> I wouldn't mind if the Carfee Battle Carrier Cruiser thing had this problem, because at least you could see the ship. It would just be see-through. That would be fucking terrifying for somebody to have a Carfee that's half invisible because it's see-through. That'd be fucking awesome. What the hell do you mean it'd be scary? That's what I'm saying. It would be fucking terrifying to see that thing coming at you. It would be terrifying because it's partly transparent because <laughs> it's face shifted from another dimension and here i am in an in a, in a ryan marauder looking towards the sun when the sun should be kind of deflecting off of and kind of hiding its glare because it's hitting the ship before the screen sees it and yet everything is visible because my ship suddenly becomes semi-transparent and you know, let's let's. <laughs> the worst one is in Days of Doom, where you're in that nebula cloud around that system. That whole thing glows, not just the sun. Everything in that mission is like that. The station, the Doomsday machine. I couldn't even see the giant warp core that you're supposed to toss in its mouth because of this transparency thing. That was, I mean. It, at that point, that warp core was invisible to me, and here I was trying to carry it to to the doomsday machine. Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, I was I was see through. My teammates were see through. The station was see through. The Romulans that were firing on the station were see through. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, it was just a ghost run. Okay. So, who played Hearts and Mind on Halloween? Me. Yup. I played it three times because I had three, maybe four characters who didn't actually have the doff, and it's like, eh, better claim it once. So at least I've got the doff. It's a yeah. decent. It's a decent. You know, it's it's a decent doff for for doing diplomacy stuffs. Yeah, I've still got thirty five odd characters probably that haven't got it yet. Yes, I played it on about thirty two characters and it took me the better part 15 of 15 hours, hours. like yep. <laughs> like we in our chat it's like 15 hours later and i'm done i don't gotta run this again it's like yeah till it shows up next time and you want to claim a second <laughs> and another lerpa well my main character's got 10 dr sabaks so you realize those are locked right those are those are those are doff locked. They're bound to you, so you can't just you you can't take them to Starfleet Academy and mulch them up into weaker crew, right? No, I send them all on missions and they do mental things like getting fights with each other in pubs and stuff like that. Cause cause if 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 that you know if if Cybok wasn't locked or. Seabok, however it's pronounced. If that character wasn't locked, that's exactly what I'd do. I'd play the mission, grab the doff, go to Starfleet Academy or the Klingon Academy, and turn it into the officer that mulches him up because he's a clone, so it doesn't matter. It mulches him up and spits out three lower quality duty officers. And then I'd repeat the process and shove all of those duty officers into the fleet holding. Hashtag clone lives matter. <laughs> hey, you shut the hell up. <laughs> oh, you well, knew I won't hear was gonna go there. I won't hear nothing about your augment rights and shit. There are laws against that kind of crap for a reason in the Federation. Brent Spiner did what? Okay, now now should we actually talk about the mission? <laughs> For those that have what, what, been smart enough to avoid it so far. <laughs> what's, what, what's there to talk about the mission? It's the same thing over and over and over again. Hence why it's a clone mission. Some people didn't know about it wow. because it wasn't announced. I did. You had set that up a week in advance, hadn't you, Dragon? My god. Yep. That was a joke you had pre-planned. Well done. I didn't even see it coming. Guess you could say my shock was the genuine article. Well, not this time. It's it a fake? Be... Go ahead, Stu. No, I said it's a fake. <laughs> okay. I... To Jesse... If you're listening to this, there is a way to make that mission more terrifying. Not not in a not in a we have to make it more like what lies beneath terrifying, but there's a way to actually give people kind of a creepier vibe. 
for anybody who's not plowing through the mission, if you take the time to realize that the clones in the vats are actually enemies, and you can kind of halfway shoot at them, when you do so, they twitch in the vats. So, here's what I suggest. You know how at the end of the mission you've got all those clones that say the exact same thing but at different intervals and then they all attack you? How about when you kill the clone that you first meet in the room full of clones in the vats, all the clones then kind of twitch and then say a saint, you know, say say something in a similar vein as the ones at the end of the mission because that would be fucking creepy. I mean, because up to that point, we go, okay, they all look the same. Oh, they're all clones. There's no horrifying impact at that point. And that horrifying impact comes kind of at the end of the mission when all the clones then say the same thing and attack you. And at that point, it's kind of this amalgamation of all the clones saying the same thing. So it's more of a cacophonous noise as you're trying to kill stuff. Now, if you had row after row after row of the clones saying the same thing after you killed the first clone that you meet that's alive, that would be terrifying. I mean, am I wrong in thinking that? I think it sounds like a damn good idea. I think it'd be fun to see. So each one would just randomly say something. Well, you know, there are the voice lines from the missions. You know, pick something. You know, like, one of them says something about it's only logical or something, I think, during the mission. Have each row, have each row of the, 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 the clones being waited to, you know, that are, that are actually waiting to be drained because their heads are above the water in the, you know, in the vats, right? Supposedly. Well, have, have all of those clones suddenly say that line, you know, you know. Row after row after row says that line in, in succession. Logic requires that your unstable element must be eliminated. Exactly! So you have you have one row of three that says it, then another row of three that says it, then another row of three that says it. It's it's a cascade of horror. You can have the computer saying it as well the second that you beam in. Oh fuck off! I am not listening to Tanae say that, say that shit. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be that voice actress, but... Lani Manella as Admiral Tanae. Oh, God damn it. That's not terrifying. That's just fucking annoying. You beam I in, all of a sudden the phaser turrets pop up and it's like... Tanae goes, your rogue elements must be eliminated. Fuck off, lady! You are everywhere! She Stop is the it. ultimate clone. <laughs> oh, God. That would be my own personal hell. It would be. I mean, it is, It is. you know, in the face of the SAG-AFTRA strike that is going on for voice actors, it is so nice to know that this lady has... A semi-permanent job at Cryptic. That's great. But does she have to be in just about everything? Really? Does she? 
you know, this is the whole reason that that strike is going on right now. It's because the industry has a problem with diversity. The industry has those people that they pick and they keep picking, like Vic Mononia or Laura Bailey. At this point, the lady who plays Tanae is Stowe's version of Laura Bailey. She is in everything to some extent. Well, since we're talking about episodes, um, do we want to talk a little bit now about Echoes of Light? Thank well, God Admiral Tanay is not in this mission! I was just going to bring up uh, one more thing about Hearts and Minds that Fred Ortiz had commented on. He was wondering why there's defiant class schematics randomly scattered about in Dr. Sabak's work area. The, well, that's... Uh, Honestly, that's because they changed the um, the display systems. They updated the display systems quite a bit ago. That's why you've got a lot of the Voyager-looking Elkars everywhere. And uh, um, the, I guess that static model just used to be a bunch of gibberish and then was updated to be the, the Defiant Master Display System, and Jesse just doesn't realize it yet. Uh, I was also thinking about um, the first, no, it's not the first mission that Voyager shows up in, but uh, uh, the one with the planet killer, and we've we've got one torpedo left over from our time in the Delta Quadrant that we didn't use, and you see um, that they throw the shuttlecraft down the thing's throat, and you see the inside of Voyager, and the MSD is got an Akira-class ship on it, like... Whoops. Details, details. You're not supposed to notice those. That's Sun's job. That was that was several years ago's first contact date mission, was it not? It was on the 22nd of April of that year that that was released. And the season update was called The New Accord, but I can't remember the name of the mission. Oh, okay. So it was after... No... Yeah, that's that's the mission where um, the Iconian shows up in the the Klingon Hall, and then um, Admiral Quinn yeah, and Jim Pop get married in this big ceremony. Council. You're breaking up, Dragon. That's exactly what the High Council did. They broke up. Oh come on! Damn, Stu, that's uncalled for. Shit. Well, it's just, they just did the same as what the British government's doing right now, like. Damn, Stu, do you really gotta take it that far, man? <laughs> Although, as a person who plays on the Klingon side, I gotta say, you, you kinda have to, you kinda have to think that, that, um, uh, the House of Torg is really glad that they're not, you know, that they've been discommodated, because it means they kinda still exist. <laughs> yeah, they're like the only one of the the only one of the great houses to now exist. Yeah, because like all the all all of the all of the high council members, except the chancellor himself, were just kind of poofed out of existence. And he, you know, without Torg having been discommendated because of our actions on the Klingon side. He would be gone. I wonder what Torque would be thinking when he gets the news that uh, Jim Pock had been poisoned at the the Romulan summit. 
<laughs> I don't know about the Klingon Torque, but I know about Mr. Torque. Explosions? <laughs> I, I, for it is so often that I confuse those two because somebody will be talking about Torg and I'll go explosions and they'll go no the Klingon it's like still explosions <laughs> this is this is a Klingon explosions nothing is more badass than treating a woman with respect well, that's that's honor in a nutshell is it not chivalry. Oh, God. Okay, so Dragon reminded us of Echoes of Light, the new mission that came out, what, and, and last again, Tuesday? Yeah, well, yeah, last Tuesday. And again, gotta say, thank you, Cryptic, for for keeping, for keeping Tanae out of this mission. It was, it was a nice breather episode. And it was. It was a really good breather episode. Not a whole lot of combat. Quite a bit of exploring. I was actually kind of glad for it. Even sitting in an Orion ship as an Orion going, So, I'm supposed to be the bodyguard here. Okay. Why am I doing all of the science stuff? And then when you come across a protomatter and you're like, Oh, but that's highly unstable. And she's like, Nah, dude. Come on, it's so easy to make protomatter stable. Are you an idiot or something? It's like, okay, we we decided to quote unquote help the Lakari. Okay, um, did anybody from either the Federation or the Klingons decide to study the Lakari's version of science? Because, I mean. You know, when we first meet the Lakari, they're they basically have a probe that can only go warp one. Uh and they're like, oh no, Tholians, help, help us, help, help, please. Right. By the time we see them again in this mission, which you know, remember, we've been through a temporal war, so it's all happened in a matter of a few weeks at best. Like, all of that shit we've gone through with our temporal war has gone on in a few weeks at best. So in a few weeks, the Gorn have handed the Lucari a ship, the Lucari are building a ship of their own to join the greater universe, the Federation has handed them all this defensive and scientific tech, and in that matter of weeks, the Lucari have gone, oh, you, proto-matter... You mean you mean that stuff that we've we figured out how to manage with a trifly cascade? A what? 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 Yeah, we oh. store a bottle of proto matter in the same way that you store a bottle of milk. Wait a minute! You come from a planet? Wait, wait! This moon isn't your home. You migrated here from a planet on ships ages ago, and you just now say you have warp one. Which you've now turned into Warp 4 because Federation? Uh... And we did uh, let her command the Defiant for a bit as well. Because we've lols. We've beamed down to a planet and you have more holographic forensic science know-how than my two engineers who are accompanying me on the away mission. What? 
Well, in my case, it was Spock and Bones, but... Yeah. Are you... Are, how in, how hyper-intelligent is this... I mean, are you... Are you binars? You kind of seem like you're binars to absorb this much information. Yeah, they kind of look like it, too. And understand it that quickly. You have... You have... With Borg efficiency, assimilated centuries upon centuries of information from both the Klingons and the Federation, and you comprehend it. What? Plus, you've added in information of your own that you've previously known and chose not to give us a clue that you had an idea about. I kind of, I kind of want to say that this is, this is, this is the origin of those people from the Briar Patch. You know, just going out on a limb here. You know, everybody talks about the Sonal-looking ship. Maybe there is some truth to that because the Sonal was a coalition of of different species and a ship, but whatever. But that race that was on the planet in the Briar Patch, they. They were acting just like the Lucari are now. Hyper-intelligent, way above their level, but playing, you know, playing a race beneath their means because that's what they wanted. Uh. Yeah, what's going to happen when the other faction shows up and they turn out to be the Zen Cathy or something like that? And again, again, how the hell does... Does the Lucari have such an extensive knowledge of the Zinkethi? A race, a race of the Federation and the Klingons have never seen on screen. They talk about same all the time. Same race, anybody? Same race, anybody? They talk about it all the time. It's like the Zinkethi Wars and all this kind of stuff. Nobody has ever seen a Zinkethi or a Zinkethi ship. I was thinking that, that the Zinkathy may have been the one that ran them off from their home planet. Again, that's possible. But at the same time, if that's the case, that means that the Zinkathy would have had to have been majorly advanced in what we consider Federation and First Federation territory. But if they were advanced enough, they could be able to hide their own existence, except for leaving minor traces to make a person or persons think that they had not been around. They wouldn't even have to do that in the first place. The Federation was not fucking smart enough to go, let's scan for life on a fucking moon. Nobody wants to live there. Let's just go past. We'll not bother oh, scanning it. Oh, it's a gas giant. Okay, there's no life. Hey, how many moons are on that planet? It doesn't matter. We're the Federation. We explore. What? <laughs> you know, that actually... <laughs> we were too that... busy looking at this bit of moss to notice that someone lived in that house over there. Oh, silly us. Alex, I kind of have to agree with you. What if it turns out that the Lucari are actually what is the Breen? What became the Breen? Just an offshoot because they found the moon and lived on that moon. And the Breen, who were actually kind of Lucari, became the Breen. 
What if what if Breen all look like Lucari underneath their Breen? Yeah, I'm not gonna go there because that's just too twisted. <laughs> well, it it would it would kind of it would kind of explain all the purple for the <laughs> the Lucari love their fucking purple, man. And what if what did the Breen use as weapons? Oh, God. Well, but if you continue on with that line of logic, then that means that the crinums would also, the crinum would also be in some way related because they also use Polaron-based weaponry. And they like the color purple. True, but then again, the purple is a the 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 lending of purple is a thing throughout like Iconian stuff. That's what's weird. There is purple all throughout the Iconian everything. The day ones even had purple stuff because the gateway. But if you'll remember right, even the precursors said that the Iconians were their first children. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean other sentient races, other sentient races hadn't created life. The, the, the preservers, the preservers were the oldest race and they said they were lonely so that so they created a race. But we've seen all throughout, you know, Star Trek where other races have existed to seed other races further. Like the 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 brains in the jar in that toss episode where they take over Kirk's body. Triskelion. No, Gamesters of Triskelion is where it's Kirk... the arena with the silver yeah. pants. There yeah, Gamesters of Triskelion there. was the, the three aliens that were betting. And, with Quatlu! Yeah, yes, and the bet was one Quatlu. <laughs> no, there was, um... The, 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 they were, they were, they were brains in a jar, but the jar was a big glowing ball that, that flickered on and off when they spoke. Um, and there was the back and forth of, uh, you know, the, the, the makeup, there was a back and forth between Kirk and Spock that their makeup looked similar to Vulcans and that they could be the reason Vulcans exist, which means that, that they could be the reason the Romulans exist too. Yes. Um, it had the actress who later played Dr. Pulaski in it. Or for the, for, you know, you know, sh sure we can talk about the preservers, but what about, um, Oh God! What was his name? The 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 Quetzalcoatl looking dragon snake with wings from the animated series. You know, just because another race has, you know, just because a race like the Preservers has seeded life in you know in other doesn't mean that there were other there weren't other races that then came along and tried to teach those seeded races because that's exactly what happens in the animated series it's like that mayan god looking snake thing 
goes on a tirade about how, you know, we don't, you know, how can you, how can you not have understand what I've taught you? I specifically taught all this stuff so that all the races of humanity would come together and praise me. And you never came back. I found you because you were exploring the universe. Now you have to behave because you're my children. You, you never seeded that race, but you taught that race. And you, you think that gives you some credence? What? There's, there's like all kinds of fuckery with races seeding races and stuff in the Star Trek universe. And it's, it's crazy. And nobody's saying anything because this is just a mind-blowing experience, isn't it? I was just thinking about all the different... How many gods and religions were in the original series. But see, that's the thing that, you know, Gene Roddenberry wanted to do. Is not... Is not say your religion is bunk, but go, your religion has merit. And here's what it would mean in a scientific context should your god happen to exist. Uh, the, the Greco-Roman gods? Apollo? <sighs> Nasty motherfucker. Nasty piece of work. Demanding praise? Uh, the, the, the snake guy from the animated series? Demanding worship and praise? So humans could be his zoo? God locked at the center of the freaking galaxy? What does God need with a starship? There's a book that explains that the reason that that guy who is locked at the center of our galaxy, he was locked there by the Q. Yes, because he destroyed the Tacon Empire who had the power to move suns around. And the Takan Empire has the power to move suns around because the Iconians and Dyson Spheres. Unless you get it wrong, then you're kind of like the Solanae, and you have to evacuate to subspace because at that point, that's the only place you can exist. Hello, race that's also known as the Sphere Builders? Yes, who... Tried to use the technology to hide from the Borg, but messed it up somehow. I mean, it's 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 this repeating pattern of we are gods, worship us. We are trying to escape from these people who think they are gods. Whoops, we fucked it up. We are now pissed because we can't exist in our time and our place where we used to exist anymore. We must correct it. Rawr! We will become the people who are the gods slash menace on the universe. Yep, let's uh, let's get a couple of races to do our evil bidding, and we'll try to terraform the universe so we can move back into it. Not even then! Not even then! At that, you know, at that point you could consider the Krenum god uh, a god race, because here they are in a huge fucking time ship trying to rebuild their empire. No, get it right. It's not a time ship. It's a genocide machine. Well, that too, but it is a time ship. It is a ship that exists outside of time, and they are using it to, quote-unquote, fix their empire by genociding shit out of existence. 
imagine what you could do if you could take that weapon ship to the Tribble homeworld or use it on an Apo or like Justin Bieber or something. I already know what happens. Did anybody play that mission where we where we brought back Romulus and it was Borged? And the only way we could somewhere some way half fix it was not just removing one like what is it? Borg teleportation ring thing like from Transwarp Gateway. We had to remove that entire network from existence to fix it. Not just the one gate, that entire network. And that's that's not even to fix everything 100%. That was just to get us into a somewhat parallel universe that we wound up losing our temporal stuff anyway. So we can't go back and undo all of that crap in the first place. Yeah, let's not use that machine again. And meanwhile, these people from the 29th century are all, look, we have to protect the timeline. What timeline? We've already fucked it up! The asteroid where Picard's friend found the Iconian shit, that entire episode no longer exists in our universe as it is right now. The original Iconian episode with Picard... And the Romulans, that no longer exists. The whole chain of events never happened in this timeline. Why? Because we used a genocide machine to remove the asteroid. Temporal mechanics gives me a headache. Like, all of this shit is so fucking convoluted. It's nice to have an episode like Echoes of Light, but then you look at the and go, how the fuck did you become so hyper-intelligent in the matter of a couple of weeks? Where did you invent the technology for this cascade thing that you say can fix protomatter? Where did you even find protomatter? The, the one thing that I did not like about the mission, the only thing, was, yeah, how you had to do all the different little mini-games for the comets that you find in the min- in the middle of the system it's like really one's bad enough but you're making me do all these different things to be able to do this shit come the fuck on a lot There's of people a reason i avoid the dilithium mine a lot um, of yeah a lot, a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people had that complaint but a lot of, i think a lot of it was that it was right there back to back and not spaced out a little bit more because if it was, if it had been spaced out, you know, if you had been in one section and did one mini game, and then in another section and did another mini game, I think people would have taken a lot, a lot better to that. But then again, a lot of that stuff also has to do with uh, <laughs> the thing that you go, I can't play this game on that because it atarifies my system. You know that whole render scale slider that that exists in the settings. Yeah, if you move that all the way down, sure, it looks 8-bit, but you can play that minigame as fast as I'll get out. So that's a trick to getting more dilithium, then. <laughs> You're damn right, that's how I've been doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sorry. The Atari 7200 was okay, but when it put my render scale down to the OT2, the, yeah, the 0.2, it was like, oh my god, this is like 
barely Atari 2600 graphics, I can't do that shit. No, this this is this makes Pitfall look like Titanfall. Was it like Holy Fractals, Batman? Pretty much. I mean, you know, it's a good mission. It really is. There are issues with it. Hell yeah, there are issues with it. Like the fact that I just can't flat out, as a Klingon, shoot Madron in the face for all the shit he's caused me throughout my career. Period. And didn't we say something to him the last time, like, if I see you again, I'm gonna do something unpleasant to you? Shut the hell up, Alex! Shut it! I'm not an exploiter! I am playing the game as it is intended to be played. <laughs> she is taking full input. She is taking full advantage of the inherent intricacies of the graphic system within the game, and therefore not exploiting anything that is not there and easily available for anybody to do. And the devs already are aware of this. <laughs> but no, seriously, Madron is the continuous. Ferengi thorn in our side. Madron, the guy who was the Ferengi in charge of the mining planet where we go into the mines and <gasps> Tal Shiar during the Romulan arc, right? Yes, he also had a warehouse full of dodgy stuff and he tried to get us killed by his on erosion new, hunters. On, on, well, yeah, on New Romulus, right? Yes. And got away. And now here he is again. Trying to. Trying to just harass the Lakari And then claiming a Federation station. And, and protecting it with Noskin bodyguard. Why have I not been allowed to shoot this guy in the face? You're under arrest for attempted murder of a Starfleet captain and their away team. I mean. Well, even then, he would be shot and killed right then and there for trying to do it to a Klingon captain and away team. There <laughs> wouldn't even a be a trial. Dick-tongued. But, I mean, come on. Think about think about the interactions we've had with other Ferengi. Quan, Quan we defeated his bodyguards, and he's like, Okay, okay, I'll, uh, I, 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 I think I want to think about it. And then Nog comes in and goes, Kiss the staff. It's like, all right, and uh, okay, that's 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 a really Ferengi thing, the Ferengi that we meet in the Gamma Quadrant. I can't even remember her name. The one that Farrick. she she has us like doing all kinds of shit that's supposed to be illegal in Dominion space, and we're doing it in Dominion space. And there's a choice: we can let her go, or we can blow her ass up. What does my what does my Orion choose to do every time? Ass up. She she involved us in illegal shit. Blow her ass up. That's I mean, I'm sorry, that's less of a crime than constantly trying to kill me. Constantly trying to kill me warrants me putting a phaser to your head and pulling the trigger. With and, no and then in the Delta Quadrant we have Quinn. And they keep sending people, and they keep sending like uh, the Hazari after us because of the fact that, well, yeah, she didn't like how the treatment that she get, she was given by us. 
I mean, where's the, you know, where's, where's, where's the whole, where's the whole, the, the, um, the Ferengi society has changed largely for the better because Grand Nagus Rom. I'm not seeing a whole lot of that. I'm still seeing no. a whole hell of a lot of underhanded, dirty Ferengi. And yeah, I understand that those people exist because, you know, that was the, that was the great divide was, was look, if you, you're not a great businessman, you don't have to be. And that sounds like something Nog would say and Nog would, imp or uh, yeah, Rom would implement as, a Grand Negus. And, you know, that that sounds like, you know, that sounds like something that, that would legitimately pass. But every time we see a Ferengi that is not Nog, suddenly we know bad shit's going to happen. So They're just a lying, to... crooked, <laughs> cheating <laughs> bastard to... that's just out to kill us. As a Klingon. Excuse my French. As a Klingon, my first couple of interactions with the Ferengi are... Punch in face because screaming. Kill because destroy because illegally operating in Dominion space. Do you want to punch the Ferengi in the face? Boof. And then I, I, get... I still love the absolute first encounter you have with the Ferengi as as a Klingon, where you're in the warehouse. And, and that's the what I'm one, talking about. Punch, yeah, yeah that's punch, punch, you want punch Ferengi, Ferengi in the face. Ferengi. They won't shut up. Punch Ferengi in face for screaming. Yeah. Okay, cool. We, you know, the 2800. Blow up Ferengi because illegally operating. Uh, in the Romulan arc, Madron. Oh, let's let's get you on tactic, you know, let's let's get you on code, Violet. Well, how is that a Klingon fucking mission? Get you on code violations? Look, you're operating with the Tau Shiar. We, we should arrest you right now. Or at least shoot you in the arm. But you get away. Because we will be watching you. You show up on New Romulus and try to kill us. How do you... Okay, I can kind of... I can kind of get that you get away because we're fighting Nausicans. But at this point... At this point, Madron... Your ass should be dead. You shouldn't be disabled. You shouldn't be nothing. I took your ship out to which you explained, My engines! They're worth more in Latinum than you are! Okay. Blow up ship. Yeah, sure, I may have to fight off some some reinforcement Nausicans, but at that point, Madron is gone. Because he fucked with me way too many times, and that there it ended. Because... I just I didn't just disable his ship. I blew it up. Okay, now that we've thoroughly dissected the mission to hell and back, <laughs> including the pros and cons, um, shall we talk a little bit about the rewards? Um, other than the obvious weekly bonus for uh, first completion with the uh, universal tech upgrade and the uh, or the specialization point. Before we do that, I want to know what the hell those pods are. On the planet, those, pod? those, the 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 growing crystal pod things. The, the, yeah, I was kind of wondering that too. It's like, what it looks like is um, like all the people on the planet have maybe got some kind of uh, bi-weekly fleet event that they need to take their dilithium to. So they've been doing that. That's what it looked like to me. I mean, the, you know, because this this this. 
these pod things. What the hell are these pod? These pod things are not proto matter. Sure, that area where they all were was ground zero, but you know that's explainable by somebody warped in, planted the bomb, set to go off, left. Proto matter bomb explodes. Everything gets wiped out. That's living. Okay, if that had happened, those crystals shouldn't be there. If they're, you know, if they were organic matter. But they're not organic matter, so those pods are still there. What are those pods? They're not. Didn't you know that those are the predator eggs that are the hybrids between the predator aliens, and we're going to find them later on? Well, they're. They're certainly not dilithium, because we know what dilithium looks like. We have a whole asset tab that shows us what dilithium looks like. Yeah, but these are like hieroglyphics, so they're these guys aren't. No, I'm not talking. With... No, no, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the high, I'm not talking about the murals. I'm literally talking about the cave at the end of that hall in the temple that is filled with those fucking pods. It's filled with those pods. I mean, it's like. It's almost a mile deep to the to the floor, and that floor is not even floor. It's water. It could go deeper, and there'd still be more of those crystal pods. I mean, we, we, at this point, we've had a Lucari tell us everything that we didn't even know, even about protomatter and holo, uh, you know, holographic forensics. And yet, Okay, so we magically don't know what these pods are, but they seem like they were important. There's uh, Kathy egg pods. I did hear somewhere that Zenkathy were theorized to be an insectoid race. Well, the, the Tholians are an insectoid race, and they're crystalline. Are they are they Tholian eggs? Oh God, we found the hatchery. But if that's the case, if that is the case, and these are Tholian eggs, wouldn't it be the Tholians and not the Zenkethi that are pissed? And wouldn't it be the Tholians that had just wiped out the race once the race had even remotely existed on the planet? Not unless the Zenkethi were being used as a nursery species. For the Tholians, such as the day ones were being used by the Iconians. But that doesn't make any sense, because this race isn't the Zenkethi, is it? We don't know what those pods are. For all we know, those pods could be Zenkethi eggs, which is where, I, which is where the circuitous logic kicks back in. You know what this reminds me of, though? If we're talking about pods and eggs and all that kind of shit, remember that TNG episode with um, the androgynous species that where you couldn't tell if the race was, you know, the person of that race was male or female, but Riker had fallen madly in love with them? Yes, I remember that. They were... They don't have sex. Those people don't have sex. They're born out of pods. Yes, uh, pod husk things, yeah. 
what what the hell are these pods? How how have how have we gone through this whole mission and not taken one scan of these pods? Considering we go, these pods must have been of some importance. Why don't I pull out my tricorder and scan it, even though I am a Klingon? Because this would have scientific value to the Klingon Empire. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I feel like that that whole thing was was just let's let's ignore the fact that oh this is pretty this is real pretty but let's ignore this for right now because we have to go take care of madron no we don't we have to go free up the space station and not take care of madron because he gets away again because you know third time trying to kill me and i don't you know i don't hold grudges right because i'm not a klingon I'm not part of the KDF. Oh, wait. I'm Klingon, and I hold grudges, and I, I want to shoot that bastard in the face. I mean, I get that you need... That should be an option. Shoot I mean, Madron in the face. I mean, I get that you need, you know, this, this Ferengi villain. Cool. You know, remember how we were talking about, you know, a little while ago about needing diversity in voice acting? There also kind of needs to be a diversity in your villains, too. It doesn't always need to be a Ferengi. It doesn't always need to be Madron. I mean, where's, um... Where's Pell in all this shit? That's, that's something I would absolutely love to know. Where the hell is Pell? For those of you who don't remember, Pell is the female Ferengi who fell in love with Cork, but she was wearing male ears and trying to pass herself off as a man. Very early Space Nine. Where the hell is Pell in all this? I would love to see if she has a thriving business, especially now that, you know, the whole Ferengi society has opened up thanks to Grand Negus Rom. And then there's the whole the Ferengi rebuilt Cardassia thing. I mean, we... the Ferengi have made Cardassia great again. I mean, you know, you don't always have to have Madron, and I, I get that you guys having a Ferengi villain means you want to have a specific voice and a specific facial feature, but <laughs> staples are only staples because they are critical to something. Madron isn't critical to anything. Staples are only staples as long as they don't become trope. Well, there's a difference between a staple and a nail. It's easier to remove a staple than a nail. Well, depending on what kind of staple you use. But I highly doubt, I highly doubt that Madron is meant to be a construction quality staple. He's more like the paperclip kind of staple. You just bend the wires back 
and remove his ass. Hence, shooting him in the face. Exactly. Repeatedly. Often, phaser set to vaporize. How can you shoot him repeatedly with a phaser set to vaporize? Because at that point, you're not just shooting him, you're shooting his entire ship. Yes. Oh, right. I thought you meant actually, like, you know, right all up in his grill with Samuel L. Jackson style gun no, no, held to the side. That's, well, no, that's what I'm saying. You're on his ship, the bridge of his ship. You have shot him in his chair as he is cowering and pissing on himself, and you just keep firing your disintegration beam at his chair and then his chair is gone and then the consoles are starting to melt and then the whole ship is starting to buckle and that's when the crew of your ship goes look we know you're pissed but we're beaming you out and we're going to disable your weapon in transport you can take this up in the holodeck with the safety protocol on or off if you're Klingon (laughs) <laughs> safety protocols uh, those are for pussy federations see there's a oh. there's a you know there's there's a there is an emergency response safety protocol you can be injured you can be injured seriously on most things but you are most holodeck safety protocols restrict you from immediately dying. Yeah, but when it comes to Klingons, like even Worf broke his spine and it didn't really bother him that much. It just kind of grew back. Well, that's because he—that's because he, like most Klingons, have redundant systems. Multiple redundancies, like Federation starships and their systems. And, and, you know, when, when people when, <laughs> people joke and kid all the time about, like, Klingons being good in bed, but that's because they have multiple redundant systems. Think about that. A Klingon male has multiple redundant systems. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Nod, nod, poke, poke. And you wonder why people, like, make a big deal about the Klingon woman's vagina having teeth. (laughs) Multiple redundant systems. There's one that goes in the vagina and then one that goes in other people. Nope, not touching that one. But you don't have to. You're not into guys, right? Well, this is true, too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... it's. I don't understand why you can't just outright just let his shit blow up at this point. He needs to die. Well, moving along then, in in other Star Trek Online news, now we'll get into some of the little console information. Um, Yes, this weekend they'll be doing a bonus to Lithium event for the console players, and, well, a lot of them are saying it's about damn time. 
Um, it will run from the 3rd of November until the 7th of November. Uh, obviously, that's going to be Pacific dates. Um, yeah, and you'll get yeah the bonus from the play- same places that the PC players get it. Uh, it. Well, except the Fleet Dilithium Mine, because remember, fleet holdings don't exist on the console, so... Uh... Ah, that goes into another piece of news that they are bringing fleet holdings to the consoles. Yes, soon. Not right this, not right now, and not this weekend. So you're not getting the fleet dilithium mine bonus. Sorry, guys. Well, true. Yes, although that was actually stated in the blog, it looks like they've just copied and pasted it over. Cheeky. Yeah, that was rather shaky of them, wasn't it? Yeah, Governor. And they've also, with the uh, 1.2 update that they're going to be bringing out for Xbox One and PlayStation 4, they will be introducing the research and development nightmare, I mean, system into the console games. And I do not envy you guys one bit, Oh my god, that that that's just yeah. That means your exchange, also known as ground PvP, will go mental. <sighs> yeah, exchange rates are going to go all over the place. Certain certain um, materials are gonna get real cheap and other materials are going to skyrocket. Um, so yeah, make sure you hang on to all, as much of that as you can, at least to start with, because you may be sitting on a gold mine and you may be sitting on a pile of lead. I kind of have to ask, um, who is, um, who is playing from here? Who's playing on console, if anyone? Yeah, all I have is the PC. Because, uh... You know, my big thought is, what does the, the, the dilithium exchange look like on console at this point? Is there even a dilithium exchange on console? From what I understood, it was at a similar level as the PC one, but that's just taken from hearsay. I can't confirm that. That is mental in the first place, because there's not all this dilithium stuff in the in the console version yet people may be dilithium banking there in order to be able to get the ship packages as they're available even just because of the fact that there's not as much available um, as it stands currently and they want to have as large of a tactical potentially advantage as they can have once all this other stuff does become available I, I don't know. I don't play the console. It's just a, yeah, you know, pulling a wild hair out of my six to try to come up with an excuse. Yeah, but yep. th- 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 that's the thing in the first place. Why would you be banking dilithium to Zen na- right now when about the only kind of ships you're going to get before the PC people are the new tier six versions of lockbox things? Which isn't even which is isn't even a, a cause for banking. It is simply a look. I can spend fifty bucks right now on keys and open up a whole bunch of boxes, and I may have at least one and a half of the 
stuff from the new box that's tier 6. I mean, like, you know, the whole news a couple of weeks ago that everybody ran with like it was a big fucking deal was, oh, look, Star Trek Online has introduced Tier 6 Dreadnoughts on the console. Wonder when they're going to come out to PC. Oh, the fact that they came out almost exactly a year before this console version was launched. No, the console version is always going to be playing catch-up. Always going to be playing yeah. catch-up. Um, from what I read from the the infographic last week, there was about, what, just over a hundred different types of ships in consoles still. And I can't remember who said it, but someone said recently that there's about 500 different types of playable ships in PC store. That's a lot of shit to catch up on. Now, if we're thinking about the same infographics, too, um, one of the things that I found rather awesome um, in regards to the infographic that PWE actually shared was where it showed down the showed the breakdown between Federation and KDF players and and their favorite ships and, and that sort of thing. And it showed that on console that there was a it was almost dead even between Federation and KDF, with the KDF having a slight edge. And yes, granted the the engineering ships were in the lead when it came to overall ships, but the science ships were actually placing higher within the number of played ships, at least at the time, than the tactical base ships. Did you hear that cryptic? I can't remember the infographic from the top of my head, but I do... I, I don't remember what ships were on it. I remember the Defiant the, was on it for the, well, PS4. The, there was never... There was never a PC version of the infographic for ships. Just the two consoles. I'm staring at it right now. For PS4 and Xbox One, both the Klingon ships, the the most used is the Negvar Heavy Cruiser on both consoles. There's a split difference between PS4 and Xbox for the most used Romulan ship, so for PS4, it's the Malum Light Warbird, essentially tactical heavy escort. And for the Xbox One, you have the iconic Scimitar, because Scimitar. And then things take an opposite turn when it comes to the uh, Federation, because the PlayStation 4 user's most used Federation ship is the Defiant Tactical Escort. On Xbox One, it's the Eclipse Intel Cruiser. Yeah, so the Xbox One is a ship that has to be paid for, bought, whereas the PS4 one is the Captain Level Free one, or the Admiral no. Level Free one. No, it's the it's the it's essentially the Sao Paulo class. Then would it not be Tactical Escort Retro Re Fit? 
Well, yeah, but it still says tactical escort because that's what it is. They didn't have the room to put all of the title on there. Okay. Now, that's you also that's have where it's sort of. The Sao Paulo is like a tier four ship, and the Defiant was a tier five or tier six. So there was there there was a tier difference between the two, at least a tier. At this point, I'd have to look at the ship designs to see exactly which design this one is, because it's got all the blue bits on it. Uh, I mean, looking at the bit where it says Nekvar Heavy Battlecruiser, was there other types of Nekvar? Like free ones and different level pay ones? or um, There's a tier 6 version of it now, if I'm not mistaken. Now there is a tier 6 version of it, but I don't think the console players have it. Uh-huh. Uh, if I remember right, the Negvar was a tier four ship that was readily available through leveling up. Yeah. Um, and then the step up from the Negvar was the Portasku. That's not a step up. That's a step sideways, because the the Bortus, the Portasku is is a cruiser, not a battle cruiser. If, if you think. If you think your fed cruisers have a problem with turn rate, let me put it this way. The Bortoscu has a worse turn rate than the Jupiter class. I don't own either of them, so I am not entirely sure. The only thing I can think of with an even worse turn radius is the Obelisk Carrier. Or maybe the Tarantula or the Anorax. Those are the only ones I can think of that their oh, base turn rates would actually be worse. giant Dreadnought ships have a problem with turn rate? I wouldn't understand why that might be. Because they're huge. Thank you, Captain General Obvious. Although, now that you mention it spatially, they really shouldn't have any sort of problem with turn rate. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. It might take more energy for them to maneuver. It might take more energy for them to maneuver. But they shouldn't have a problem with spatial turn rate. Because you're, you're dealing with a vacuum. There's... There's, there, is, is there drag in a vacuum? I wouldn't think there's drag in a vacuum. You know, unless you're getting sucked up. I guess it just depends on where you put all your little mini thruster things to turn a brute of that size. I mean, because if I was if I was creating a gigantic monster of a ship, yeah, it might take more energy to turn it, but I would make sure that it had the energy to turn in the first place.
And if it's if it's designed to be a it sits here and fires in all directions because Battlestar Galactica, then <laughs> the thing should have a massive amount of weapons on both ends, like a cruiser, you know, and not have a 3-3 slot like the obelisk did. But at the same time, where the obelisk had the absolute shit turn rate, it does have the pets to be able to help offset that. So well, where, again, Battlestar yeah. Galactica, it sits there and it fires its big, you know, its big weapons while it has the little its its little vipers take care of all the smaller shit. It's like playing Eve. The Titan sits there and it launches drones, but there's just, it's not just the drones. It's all the people in the fleet who are in frigates and cruisers that are fighting all the other little stuff while this Titan is firing at another Titan because explosions in space. And this is my Klingon territory, not your Fed territory. Sun Seal's Klingon Empire. By the way, I, I just have to mention, I am slowly converting some of these Stowe players to EVE Online. <laughs> <laughs> Evil. Well, I mean... It's just... Look at the marketing. The marketing is so much better, is it not? I mean, you look at a Star Trek Online trailer, and that trailer's like, duty, honor, the stuff that makes you want to be the Federation. Okay. You go look at an EVE Online trailer, and it's like, bring on the wrecking machine, setting all your dreams on fire. It's like, you're watching shit explode, and you're going, hell yeah, I want to be a part of that. That sounded like you were writing some kind of song for Team America there. That, no, that, the people from EVE Online, CCP, the devs from CCP, have their own rock band. It's called Permaband. <laughs> yes, and yes, that is that is a play on the word Permaban. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, they have their own rock band called Permaband, and for one of their new releases, for their new expansions, that was a song they invented, Bring on the Wrecking Machine. Titans Ho. I mean, you know, you, you, you... <laughs> You're watching ships and stations and stuff explode in space, and you're like, why can't, why can't that happen in Star Trek Online? Like, constantly. I mean, sure, we had one time where we blew up Earth Space Dock, but that was because new Earth Space Dock. Ooh, hey, maybe we need to do the same basic idea with uh, DS9. We tried that and failed. Remember the whole mirror universe incursion thing? Well, okay, so they need to do something at least with Drozana. But no, I'm not talking about, like, it's part of the story. They did that with Drozana, did they not? 
Well, no. There used to be a different map for it. Yeah, that's because they updated the map. They didn't blow it up to update the map. But that's, you know, I'm not talking about a story change that causes, you know, that, that causes the station to go boom because the bad guy. I mean, you know, you're talking about an interaction between player versus other players that should exist in Star Trek Online because red v blue. You keep plastering it everywhere, and then your ultimate conclusion was, we can't have red v blue anymore because it's too tiring to tell one-sided story and have the whole rest of the galaxy complain because we're only telling the one side. So let's make a thing where we don't have red versus blue anymore. Okay. Why are you keeping PvP in the game? Why not spice it up with explosiony space stations? Let the Klingons actually win once in a while on the Starbase 24 map. Not even that. Make the Starbase 24 a PvP map. Take It'd be that. easy enough to do. Take that entire thing, and instead of you fighting the environment, because NPC, you're fighting an armada of other actual Klingon players. Yeah, d defend your starbase against uh, them. Rather well, you're than... not you're not defending your starbase. You're defending Starbase Twenty Three from a Klingon incursion. Yeah, but on the other side as well, you could have the like the Klingon defending their starbase against. Federation you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't need that in the first place because the Klingon or the the Federation isn't about invading like other. When when have we ever seen the Federation take an entire armada and go? We need to destroy this Klingon station because territory. A preemptive no. strike. They could be developing some kind of. Bioweapon or something. That would be something they do more along the lines of if it was the Romulans involved. Exactly. Hey, go to that base and just kill all those Romulans. Don't bother asking them questions. Just shoot them all. Don't, don't, oh, what, the what do you mean they were medics so well? Ignore, ignore the ignore the fact that they're wearing medic jackets and and lab coats and all that kind of stuff. And oh, you, oh, you killed the you killed the chief. Great way to go! You killed the wait. What do you mean? What do you mean? The admiral who sent me on this mission turned out to be an undine. What? And they went through the transporter how many times, and we didn't notice. They've gotten really good at that injection serum. Like, really good. I mean, they've had, what, 40 plus years to perfect it? Yeah, but the Vulcan geezer wasn't good enough to be beamed about. 
He was just nitpicky. Ew, I have to go everywhere by shuttlecraft. I mean, think of him think of him as the Vulcan version of Dr. McCoy. Well, the Undine <laughs> slash Vulcan version of Dr. McCoy. Or Dr. Pulaski, for that matter. I don't I don't want to be beamed anywhere. And then oh we get to the we get to the monastery and we've just discovered the actual ambassador dead in his basement and he's been there for months. I mean that's that's hell of a timing for that body to just show up. Like we've been um we we think that 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 might be an undine infiltrator that the Klingons have spent the past 5 years telling us is going on and we just ignored it cuz we didn't have proof and now we do and shit. I mean, it's fine. we can have a war with everyone in the universe and still be able to herd Geckles about. I mean, I mean, honestly, read the path to twenty four oh nine lore. It, you know, you know, you don't have to play the mini game. Just go to the, you know, go to the Stow Wiki and read the thing. Just read the whole thing. It reads line after line of Federation incompetence again and again and again. Chakotay. As Chakotay, as head of Federation Intelligence, goes to the Federation in Council and says, Look, I was there with Species 8472. This shit is a real threat if it's existing. We should deal with it. And the Federation Council goes, Look, okay, you're, what you said, what you said, what you say, it, it's, it's got merit, but... We just don't think it's an issue until it's actually proven that it was an issue because you already had an infiltration on a massive scale. Not to mention the fact that the Klingons blockaded the entire Gorn homeworld and proved that their freaking king was an Undine! Federation! What the hell?! Didn't they also put the entire Gorn government to death? Did I read that somewhere? Sort of. They left the prince alive because he was an Undine. They they needed they needed somebody in power who could be a transitory because the Klingons were taking over were taking over Gorn at that point. But yeah, I mean, like the whole thing, you know, the whole thing that is read in this, the, 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 the RP blog where Satas hands Kumarki the Gorn ship. It's like, look, we went to war with the Federation to prepare them for the Undine because they were fuck all lays about and didn't give a damn until we forced them to see that the Undine actually existed. And to do that, we had to take them to war. And, you know, let's 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 just casually push out of the way that Jim Pock, out of this whole mess, decided to claim ancestral <laughs> rights to a piece of land that the Federation was on and started that whole war because he was a fucking war hawk in the first place. But no, yeah, let's say it was Gundine that that started that whole war. But yeah, the the, the 
from the beginning of this game, the lore of the Federation is sheer lunacy. It is chain after chain after chain of sheer and utter incompetence. And it's getting exhausting to the point that Alex has to keep pointing it out to us. Okay, let's move on to Star Trek timelines. Um, they've done a, another sort of, sort of AMA sort of thing with regards to asking DB Becker anything. Um, submissions, um, they were announced and they have actually closed now. So there is a forum thread full of basically people asking questions and them being answered. So um, the link will be in our show notes. So I haven't had a chance to personally read through them all because I haven't had time so far. Um, has anybody had a chance to go through them at all? I honestly haven't, so... Eh. No worries. But yeah, as always, links will be in our show notes. Uh, there's new crew and a server update. So you've got new legendary crew um, for Trelane and um, Edinburgh. Um, Abr <laughs> in Abrin. In our Britain, um, so you've got them as legendary, as mentioned. Now, now, for those of you who don't know who Trelane is, Trelane is, quote-unquote, the squire of Gothos. Or if anybody who is a Minecraft fan and has watched the noob adventures on uh, YouTube, Gaylord Steambath. It is shocking how close, you know... And this has been asked by the people who made the Noob Adventures if they had modeled Steam Bath after Trelane from Star Trek. And they looked at Trelane and went, oh my god, we didn't even know this was a character that existed. They look that much alike and act so similarly, it's creepy. They just said no because they didn't want to get, like, Axonard. Uh, no, I don't think so. For people who are still unsure who Trelane was, it was a TOS character. Um, think Q as a spoiled little child. Well, that's what Q was anyway. Yeah, but even more so. Um, and he, yeah, at the end he basically gets told off by his parents. That was rather funny. I don't wanna. I don't wanna. So, as mentioned, there is also an update to the server. They're now on version 1.5.2. Um, they've done some changes with regards to their monthly card shop, but I don't think that's out to absolutely everyone. Um, I know I haven't seen anything new with that at all so yeah 
think it's another one of these slow rollouts. They've also done some overhauling with regards to adverts. Um, we've got a new Galaxy event, which is currently going on. Um, we've got Dictators Unite. There we've got interfaced Barkley as the legendary character. And we've also got um, Mira. How do you say her name? Kalar. Kalar, that's it. Um, they've also done some UI improvements, um, which have been sort of nice. Um, and I'm not too sure about when you do a shuttle mission, you've now basically got an extra click um, to go back, although... Yeah, I'm trying to think when you start it. You used to just go back to the main screen, so I'm trying to remember whether or not you are actually doing an extra click or not, um, or whether or not it just seems like that. Basically, you start a mission and it just says in progress on the screen and you can then speed it up by paying dilithium so if you want to go back um, it takes you back to the previous screen where you've got your other missions so it's technically one click of the screen instead of, sort of a couple of clicks um, which is sort of bringing it back up Oh, by the way, son, did you happen to notice what one of the bug fixes was? Yes, I might actually go and try to update it now and see if I can play again. Extensive changes have been implemented, implemented to reduce memory usage and prevent frequent crashes on devices with less available memory. Players on those devices should have a much smoother experience playing the game for longer periods. Specific devices that should see improvements are the iPad 2 and iPad Mini, or equivalent, devices that have 512, to, 512 megs to 1 gig of available memory, which that is a lot of devices out there, especially some of the mid to low end tablets that are out there. Um, squadron leaders can now also remove players from their squadron. Um, however, that's not actually live just yet. So, so yeah, um, lots of little things um, that have been updated. Um, as we mentioned, there is the event Dictators Unite that is currently live this weekend. And that will be going on until Tuesday, November 8th. Um, and ends at 12 Eastern. So, um, so, yeah, it's one of the usual things where you send away shuttles and you sort of build up your rep. I'm not sure how much I will play this one. Um, so, uh, yeah. Hopefully I've I'll still got to figure out how to get my tablet back online to be able to play because it still won't work on my damn phone. Well, hopefully you can get back in. 
Um, yeah, hopefully this weekend I'll finally be getting a new set of wheels. So, um, yeah, I'll probably be going to see um, some family this weekend. Wait a minute, Savit has interfaced Barkley. Is this the Barkley on the holodeck sitting in the chair? Yes, that's interface Barkley. Okay, this is specifically the character I asked him when they were here during our interview. Yes. <laughs> and hopefully one of the updates means you can play it. So that means you have to get in. Yep. Son has asked and she shall receive. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> now... Um, Stu, was it you who um, put in the item about um, the Klingons and Kazon rifles? Yes, it would seem that the character Kor is actually equipped with a Kazon disruptor rifle. And Faro Guy said on their forums, I guess he might just prefer Kazon rifles. The proficiency is the same and no stats are lost, but yeah, I guess it's a bug report. <laughs> oh, well. well, remember, this is this this is what a whole bunch of universes colliding because time is ripping itself apart. So, um, yeah. In the context, it makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, at this point, he may favor something a little bit more modern to his toss era disruptor. Sonic disruptor that goes so that's about it for timelines okay Star Trek Beyond um, I believe some people are actually getting their copies um, though I think for a lot of the um, sets out there they don't get released for another couple of weeks yeah I've been seeing a lot of people posting that they got their collector's edition box set that's got the uh, the three little models in it and one of them actually compared the size of those models to one that he had put together of the Voyager uh, a few years ago and they are they're not real big but they're not real small either but yeah either way you go um, yo um, I think I may have to start a GoFundMe so I can get one of those damn it <laughs> I think they compare in size similarly to Eagle Moss models which are around about just about the size of the palm of your hand and I'd heard some people comparing them to the models that were available at the US cinemas that came on top of cups. Yeah, they're they're right around the same size. Um, maybe just a little bit bigger, but not by much. I know the exclusive set that I've got is uh, not due to be released until um, the 21st of November. So... Um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be seeing anything for another couple of weeks yet. Yes, but, I, uh, I just have a, a basic DVD-only one, and that's going to be here on the 11th. Okay. 
But, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, people are getting this in some cases. So. Yeah, I am looking at pictures. It's just like, it looks nice. Especially the little model. You can't wait to have them on your mantelpiece. Well, one of the things I'm hoping to do is to start doing the Starship collection. Um, getting the little models um, with the magazine. Uh, so I'm thinking of maybe getting those. No, hoping. you cannot have mine. I have all of them that were released by Micro Machines. They're still on the box. They still have their certificate of authenticity. Keep your hands off. <laughs> But yeah, hopefully this year or, well, what's left of this year or next year, I might be in a position to start collecting. Because um, it's Eagle Moss, isn't it, who do the... Yes. Yeah, Eagle Moss is the one that's currently doing the uh, the models that I'm aware of. Now, one one complaint that some of them have brought up is that the models that, that shipped with their box set are soft and squishy and yeah because of that they they felt like it could have been a little bit better for the price that was paid but you know what um quit being a nitpicking nanny and enjoy your damn models folks because yeah not everybody has them well i know my son charlie he actually did get the first magazine which came with um the Enterprise um, D. So I have actually seen one of the models, and he's still got it actually. So they they do look good. So I I didn't think anything bad about the models at all. Actually, just made me think. Yeah, I really want to have those. <laughs> yeah, not really... The Eagle Moss models are the ones that everybody's liking. It's the ones that shipped with the box set that they're talking about are soft and squishy. And you know what? It, it A model's a model. Come on, enjoy it. It's there to ooh and ah and ogle and all that sort of fun. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not really much of a collector, but they do look really nice. Plus, if it's anything, you can, like, just assail it for stress relief. <laughs> I think, of anything, I, I just want the Enterprises. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as getting all 100 and then all the Mirror ones and then all the Kelvinverse ones. Blasphemer. If you're going to start a true collection, you must have them all. You know, it's like Pokemon. It's an addiction. But, yeah, what I'm not too sure about is whether or not you can still get the magazine and to get the bit where you get one with each one, or whether you just get the models now. Well, the thing is, they've started reprinting all the back issues of the magazine again due to very high popular demand. So... It might say on the site that it's temporarily unavailable, but they will be back soon. I, I don't think they've got any sort of plans to discontinue doing it at any point. Mm. 
But no, I, I I haven't actually seen the option to get it at the moment. I can see where you can buy the ships, and it looks like you just buy them separately rather than doing the actual collection itself. So, maybe so update. I uh, updated timelines and turned the tablet off and I turned it back on so it could, you know, resettle all the new apps. And the first thing I loaded was timelines. And guess what happened? It works. Crash. Oh, it pulled a Star Trek online on you. Have I, you always, I always get to turbo lifting to the bridge and it crashes. Is there actually an OS update for your tablet? They're supposed to be, but I have yet to receive it. The only OS updates I have been getting are security updates. As 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 from the settings in here, I am still running on Android 6.0 when I already know there is a 6.1 update. That fixes a lot of memory problems. And yet, my tablet won't update to 6.1 because it says I already have the latest version of the OS. Which leads me to believe I'm not going to get a true OS update until the 7.0 launch later, you know, either later this year or early next year. Yeah, that's a shame. Okay. Well, hopefully, is it's a shame that you can't just uh, do it manually. I suppose. But. No, what's a shame is you know there's there's kind of not a oh I don't know a a browser version of timelines like uh. Like, they promoted up and up and up and up, and then when the game launched, they went, Oh, it's too difficult to make. We're not concentrating on that right now. Oh, by the way, we've released a a huge state-of-the-game letter that says we have a new crew working on another new game, but we're still not investing on in in making a browser version of any of our games yet. I wonder if it worked through an emulator. Probably there's there's quite a lot of people that talk about using blue stacks to 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 emulate Trek uh, timelines on their computer. But well, one, as you say that, I have actually heard rumors that uh, something could be coming soon. So, ah, uh, midnight and his redacted information. At this point, I don't care. I, 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 I don't care anymore. You've you've lost faith in the game. I can't play the game anymore. At this point, we're kind of just covering it for the sake of covering it. The thing is, is I know I've got bored with the game, but as I've mentioned before, I have never really been one for mobile gaming at all. So it's completely different than what I've ever done. Sort of, yes, to begin with, it was a novelty. But yeah, for me, it's not fun. I do it 
like even now, sort of while we're doing things, I'll have it open and I'll be doing stuff. Um, so, but usually I've got so many other things going on, and I'm doing so many other things with my phone. Mobile gaming is not on the top of the list. Is at the moment, um, yeah, I've got five thousand four hundred chronotons to use, which I still haven't done anything with. Um, I've got nearly one point five million of the credits. Don't have any dilithium, but yeah. As, just... as far as I'm aware, I should still have a system mail from the game itself going, "Hey, we fucked up. Here's Mirror Spock, the legendary." Keep it. Well, I most just don't of those have access to opening the mail. Most of those um, actual mails tend to have an expiry date, so you might not actually have that anymore. And that's kind of part of the thing that pisses me off. You know, it's kind of you know having that information come out like it did is is part of the reason why I just I don't want to fuck with it anymore. One, they keep introducing new crew, but they can't keep increasing the available crew slots because why? You know, it takes so fucking long to get a single crew member from 1 to 100 to put in your newfangled stasis thing in the first place. And you keep coming out with new crew. So yeah, that turns me off right then and there. Second, you've kept updating the game to the point that, well, my OS can no longer play it anymore because of the memory requirements. And part of that, yes, has to do with my tablet. But for the most part, I was initially able to play your game, and now I can't. So yeah, I don't really care about playing the game anymore. The thing is, if they're going to faff about with the game that much, you might as well just stop aiming at phones and aim it as a PC game. I mean, I I don't I don't give a damn. Bridge crew looks interesting. I don't give a damn about it. Why? Because I I wholeheartedly don't support this idea that that. VR or AR augmented reality is going to be a thing. It's it's a fad, just like 3D television. It's sorry, it was a fad. Well, we'll see what they come out with. But yeah, one of the main reasons why I stopped playing is getting extra crew slots just became so impossible and costly um but yeah hopefully they will change that in the future anyway i don't think there's been any discovery news no not that i've seen no um I think there has been some information out that they've almost completed uh, sort of getting the crew together. Um, I think I'd heard somebody mention that they're only missing the main character um, to actually 
cast now. But um, yeah, I haven't seen anything official. But again, between work and sorting out a new car after mine sort of died, I haven't had the opportunity to do so. So hopefully I can actually find some information out this next week and we can talk about it next week. You know, I have to say this is the first time we've actually had a Star Trek show that has a main character. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they play it. Because every Star Trek series we've had has been a host of characters. Even well, in Deep Space, even in Deep Space Nine, you weren't just following Benjamin Sisko's thing. Benjamin had a son the whole time, and you were following the son right along with him. And then that filtered out into the rest of the crew at the station at points. You've never been just following Captain Picard. You've never just been following Captain Kirk. Yeah, but they have been the primary character that has driven the show up until Voyager, when it became halfway through about the Seven of Nine character and the Captain. That was when that sort of changed then, but for the most part, it's always been the Captain that has actually driven the show. So this time it won't be, but it will. it'll be interesting to see how they take it and how much they do focus it on being that character um, as the sort of central focus, so... Um, or how much interaction they are really going to do with other members of the crew. Okay. We've got a new segment that uh, Stew Dog and... Um, Timberwolf. Timberwolf. Sorry, Timber. forgot your name. Um, well, at least you didn't butcher it. Oh, uh, there's still time. Well, I was trying I mean, to think of a better title for the segment, but the sort of working title we came up with was The Combat Log. The sort of brief of the segment is to go over items and sets and things that are generally available just to the everyday player, not really focusing on high-end gear or anything like that. But the, the sort of starting items we were thinking about going over is the new Nausicaan set as well as going over the reward from the crystalline event when we start to obtain them. So I know that Dragon was wanting to talk a bit about the Nausicaan entoiled technology set as well but at the moment we have access to the Nausicaan beam array and the Nausicaan siphon capacitor as a two-piece. Now, I haven't actually used the capacitor in space yet, but I've been using the beam array all week. And, yeah, it's... It's all right, I suppose, but I'm not really seeing much of the benefits off of it because we need more of the set to see how it all intercombines. But this is looking to be something that's pushing towards the same kind of functionality as the plasmonic leech with the 
capacitor bringing in the boosts to drain expertise and the power transfer rate. On top of that, the console provides a passive boost to disruptors as well. It's, it's... Yeah, the, the boost that it gives is almost on par with a fleet console if you actually look at it. Now, granted, Mark 10 fleet console, Mark 10 tactical console, yes. Mark 12, 13, 14, not so much. Uh, so it'd be comparable to the Spire console. Without not as much cost. Well, yeah. you're probably going to make up that cost anyway in upgrading the console to rank 14 anyway. And then further to make it ultra rare quality and then, you know, whatever the hell, legendary epic quality. I can't remember the last time there was a an upgrade weekend. I'm... I'm up to the neck in upgrading kits at the moment, so I'm really looking forward to getting the chance to use them all. So the beam array from the set has a 2.5% chance to hold the target. And with the capacitor installed as well, you get the chance to get bonus disruptor damage over five seconds whilst your target is held. Well, I don't think it's a chance. I think it does deal disruptor damage for the five seconds held. Yeah, sorry, whilst it's held, it's the 2.5% chance to hold. And then with the two-piece, that's a definite extra disruptor damage over those five seconds. It's, if you stack this kind of stuff with a... It's really weird, because the, the, even though the, the devs say they fixed it, they still kind of haven't fixed it. When one when one beam array procs, they all proc. It doesn't matter if they're the same weapon type or n different weapon types. They all proc at the same time. Which is really weird. So when the Nausicaan weapon procs to hold, the Coalition Disruptor procs to do the even greater reduction to the enemy for Disruptor damage, which means that if you've got both the Nausicaan and Coalition Disruptors, whoever you're firing at just took a massive nosedive in resistance to Disruptor damage. And is being bombarded by constant Disruptor damage because it's held and the two pieces applying disruptor damage to it for five seconds constantly. So at the moment, and on then my you build, add sensor scan to it, which lowers resistances even more. <laughs> or you add the Alachi disruptors, which bypass what is it? A hundred percent shields and fifty percent armor on proc. Yeah, yeah. So having all of these, having all of these little bits in disruptor damage, you can tear something apart when one procs because they all proc. Uh, at the moment, on my build, I've got the biomolecular disruptors from the rep system installed as well. They're just 
pretty much straight out of the box. I had them lying about in my bank. So they, that they would crop apply the nanoprobe infestation thing. Yeah, they, they apply radiation damage. Uh, yeah. Buff. But then you've got the... Let's see, because I'm running... I'm running the heavy molecular disruptor from the reputation along with its console and I'm running the uh, Alachi Crescent turret. And those are two on those are the two on my back of my Marauder. Um, and then I'm running with the coalition disruptor and uh, the what is it? The uh, the 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 Radiant Disruptor from the Preserver mission. Because that white beam is Disruptor damage. <laughs> so, and, and on top of that, I'm also running the full uh, Terran Array. So I'm running the Disruptor Beam Array, the, um, the Torpedo... Uh, the Photon Torpedo and its console, and then I'm running the full gear set from the Terran Reputation. So, extra torpedoes and extra disruptor damage as a shell shield. Am I right in thinking that that console speeds up the amount of time it takes your torpedoes to fire? Yes, it reduces the cooldown for, for torpedoes. And then the three-piece of them all together is a little clickable that says, Hey, you know what? The next torpedo you fire, fire another torpedo with it. <laughs> so you click that button with torpedo spread three, and my god, the amount of torpedoes that go out of the front of your ship. So it, it's like a double torpedo spread three. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I think in this case it'd be a torpedo spread three followed by a torpedo spread one, because it talks about like if you use the particle emission plasma torpedo uh, specifically, uh, you, the first one will be the PEP, but the second one will just be a standard plasma. So. Have you guys got plans for other sets and um, kits that you're going to be looking at, or are you looking for suggestions from the community? I do have that down as one of the community questions for this week. So if any of our listeners would like us to have a look at a certain piece of kit or a certain set, just let us know through the usual channels by email, speakpipe, Facebook or by the forums, and we can quite easily have a look at pretty much anything. I have a suggestion. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm, um... <laughs> See, I have this... I have this pig who wears lipstick from the 23rd century in a ship called the Alaska. And, um... She... she she's I don't want to say she's like this temporal character because that's kind of classified but I'm kind of thinking she wants to be an anti-proton captain and um you know what you you guys put can, can you guys put together a, a, a good 
combination of antiproton type stuff for her. Maybe. You mean like combining all the different types of antiprotons that we've got now? Yeah. Like, I'm like pretty the, sure we yeah. could whip something up. Yeah, like like what would be what would be a good antiproton suite? Like like say she she's in a cruiser, so she inherently has a four four. If you automatically knock out one in front and one in back for something kinetic, or or well hell, the even even the antiproton turret from the the crystalline event thing previously. Just you know, what other what types of antiproton weapons could you theoretically combine for maximum damage? Also, on top of that, there's the two consoles that have the passives for antiprotons as well. The Iconian Probe console and the console that came from the last Crystalline event as well. Uh, that I can't remember the name of for the life of me. But it's got the picture of the... like an arm of the entity on it. Like I said, it's just it's just a suggestion. You and, and, and Timber get together and discuss it if you want to, and we can have, you know, stuff from the community in the meantime. Okay. All right, well, any other business? Yes, yes we do. So currently Mav is heading across the US and relocating with his friend. So thank you everyone who helped with the relocation fund. Um, I believe he's still looking for help if you are able to. And the links, of course, will be in our show notes. So um, he's just finishing up. Um, or oh, he's on day two as we speak. So um, I have yeah. a question about the whole uh, GoFundMe stuff. Is it possible, even though he's not reached either goal, is it possible for him to cash out this these donations at this point? He gets the donations as soon as they arrive. It's not something like um, Kickstarter where you have to okay. reach target. So if you donated, say, $50, he would get um, $50 minus the GoFundMe fee, and he gets that straight away. That's a really good thing to know, and makes GoFundMe a whole hell of a lot better than... Kickstarter. Instantly better than Kickstarter. The idea of Kickstarter is you would obtain your goal to raise the funds that you need before you then kickstart your project into gear to then, well, deliver what you're supposed to. Speaking um, of, speaking of which, um, and I, I know this is a thing we don't normally try to cover anymore but we're going to cover it as other business now did anybody see that other gofundme that popped up this week because that was fucking hilarious yeah well this yeah this is fan films um 
Yes, I did. And I reported it to GoFundMe, um, as did some other people. And it's now been taken down. For those of you who are unaware, the um, for the past several months, while the XNR lawsuit has, go has been going on, Alec Peters has been claiming that Jonathan Lane of... What, what what the hell is this blog's name again? I uh, can't remember. Fan film something or other, I think. But, uh, has been claiming that this guy is the, quote-unquote, most unbiased source of information regarding the lawsuit. And this week, Lane posted a GoFundMe for helping poor little Axanar. They've got no money. Poor little Axanar is broke. And, uh, was immediately assailed with a whole bunch of Oh, you're unbiased? Really? Then what the hell is this thing? And, um, started immediately deleting comments, Lane did, which, you know, is under his prerogative because nobody had donated. And then, magically, in the middle of all of this, before it was pulled by GoFundMe... Um, one of the Trek writers had actually donated $5 to the campaign, but here's why. The, the donation itself comes with the caveat that when you post in response, it is a whole hell of a lot harder to get your, your post deleted. So, um... Yeah, the writer actually quoted something from the... Um, from the end of the McCarthy era, when essentially the, the 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 senators were dogging on Joseph McCarthy for being so anti-communist, anti-this, anti-that, and essentially going on a communist witch hunt here in the United States. And that's a thing that happened here in the United States. Yes. And uh, was essentially saying... You should be ashamed of yourself. Ashamed of yourself. And that was kind of the quote from the McCarthy era. And it fit really well. But, uh, yeah, literally every comment on there was just sort of like, do not help fund. Um, they are a scam. Um, what's actually happened to the 1.5 million that was previously raised um and yeah not one person had actually um donated to this project and yeah it'd been up for a day so outside of the five dollar donation oh somebody actually did donate did they because so that's when... what i that's what i that's what i just you're talking about yeah, there right. was one donation made. There was one donation for five dollars from a Trek writer who essentially quoted the end of the McCarthy era, saying, "You should be ashamed of yourself for what you have done. You should be ashamed." <laughs> right, I get you. Now, I just thought that was a comment that was on there. Sorry, no, no, I didn't no, no, realize no, that, that was, was to go with a donation. Yeah, that, because it's harder for those kind of nation comments to be deleted. Right, willy that must willy. have been um, between when I last checked it and it, when it got taken down. Yep, that was um, uh, because I'm, I'm so glad that, that 
the real unbiased source, hashtag hater, Axum Monitor was keeping tabs on the whole thing and caught the quote and the, the donation uh, uh, response. <laughs> cool. And by the way, Midnight, you're not the only one that contacted GoFundMe from this crew uh, in regards to the fact that, yeah, there was a rather sizable lawsuit going on and the wondering, um, yeah, what had happened to the 1.3 to 1.5 million, depending on who you listened to, that had already been raised through the previous In month. the court Saying, case yeah. documents, um, it's been leaked and released that it's a total of 1.5 so that's through all the various other things that he's been doing it's totaled about 1.5 million in total but yeah I mean there I also reported it to them and said look he's already shown that he hasn't been able to deliver on anything and there's this IP lawsuit going on and yeah, there's a lot of people already wanting to know what's happened to money that he's already received, and this is to help fund that directly and help offset what has gone from a $5,000 re- basically reimbursement to a 10000 to a 20000 to now all of a sudden mysteriously $155,000 of personal money that's gone to keep the studio afloat. So, yes, the, the donation came from Dennis Bailey, who was a, a, a writer on Star Trek. And his, his, um, his comment after the donation was, was, You've done enough. Have you no sense of decency, sir? At long last, have you left no sense of decency? Which, again, is a quote from the, the end of the McCarthy hearings. When when McCarthy's ship had had finally come in, and he was being <laughs> he was just, he was being burned by all sides at that point. And now on to other other business. Um, in case any of you missed it, um, there were a few of the members from the crew here that were, as Sun mentioned earlier help take part in the uh, 24 hours of GNT and we did a neat little trivia section that well yeah we won't discuss who came in first place on that one um, wasn't us <laughs> well we will uh, yeah. um, it was a yeah. blast though <laughs> yeah we had um, an hour where Alan um, Terry's husband had done um, a replication of a TV show um, family family feud, feud. <laughs> Yeah, so it's one that I'd never heard of or knew how it works. But yeah, it, it was very good fun. Um, it was some of us from Tribbles. Um, there was Mark from Priority One. And there was also um, from 10 Forward, um, Robert Reyes, um, against the crew of the GNT show. So. Um, yeah, it, it was fun. Um, most of the points that all the teams won were actually just stealing it from the other team because they didn't <laughs> get the last ones until sort of right at the end when uh, the G&T show managed to actually get one of them correct, which was actually quite an easy one. It's like, why can't we get that? Hey, look, I'm the one that kept saying Tranya for a minute and a half and everybody else was going, sorry and Brandy? 
<laughs> One of these days we might listen to you. Well, you did. You finally relented and listened to me, and guess what? It was on the freaking board. I still can't believe that the that the one answer that we stole the board from them on was Romulus. That was like, wow. <laughs> Poor Nick. Nick was half asleep at that point, and he had, had to step away. And there was Ross, like, drumming up the, hey, I'm hinting that it's Romulus because it's Nick we're talking about here. And Terry just just missed <laughs> every single cue completely. And it's like, wow. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, he came back five minutes later. It's like, how can you not get that? And so he's like, yeah, I screwed up. <laughs> But the best hour of the whole 24 hours was definitely the court case. Now, see, I have to disagree with that. And I, 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 I apologize. I'm not one of you crazy people that found it absolutely funny. I just... I found it a confusing and boring mess. So I... I left it alone. Uh-huh. I thoroughly enjoyed the little mock court case with the Trek geeks. But, um, now, I, I could understand it being hilarious for people who have been digging into law since the Axonar case started. I could understand that that was absolutely hilarious to some people. I just, I didn't get it. I found it utterly confusing and it bored the crap out of me. Oh well. See, I, I, I still personally think the best hour of the whole 24 hours was was me officially meeting Vic Manonia for like the first time ever. Because <laughs> here I am this whole 24 hours. I'm the freaking greeter. I go up to the green room and go, hi, how you doing? How, how's your day? Uh, uh, here's what's going to happen. I'm up here to keep you company until that thing happens, and then they'll introduce you to the show, and you'll be able to do your interview. And here I am up in the green room with a person named named Vic who has their mic muted because they, they're set to away, and it's like, can you hear me? In the tech chat. Uh, if you... If you click the little away thing, you should be able to speak. And then the thing gets clicked. And then the, the little light lights up. And I hear Vic Minonia go, There, is that better? Can you hear me now? And I go, You're that Vic! And he just busts out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah I, I met Vic Minonia by being a reader and not knowing which Vic he was, and then finding out he was that Vic. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't even the Fontaine Vic. It was Vic freaking Mononia. But yeah, it, it was a fun 24 hours. And I'm well. sorry. Uh, uh, nothing against Nick or, or anything like that, but he did provide us with the moment of comic relief. Which one? Um, The Chainsaw. That, that's all I'm going to say. The chainsaw. 
I may have to sleep for that. Uh, and with some of the medications that he's on, um, and the fact that when they got over a certain size donation, he was to take a shot of, oh, God forbid, vanilla vodka. Um, yeah, it finally caught up to him, and he pulled ahead on keyboard. Oh, he was and snoring he was on snoring air. snoring rather loudly. Oh, wow. Well, there's there's that, plus he had, he had some medication... That he has to take too, you know. So that could have that could have contributed as well. Half the medication the United States takes says do not take with alcohol. I mean, I love the man dearly. He he, he made my time on on that podcast an absolute blast because, well, yeah, I was so busy laughing. Um, but yeah, Nick. Um, all I can say is breathe right, strips. They may help. <laughs> Well, you know, you're talking about hilarity. Nick actually, um, Nick actually tweeted something earlier today that I found absolutely hilarious. I must have missed it. Are you going to enlighten us? I have to. I have to click on it because. All right, you're finding it. Yeah. (laughs) So Nick, Nick has his has his own podcast called the Gettysburg Address. So. Uh, the podcast itself tweeted out Fan Film Factor that's Lane's blog Fan Film Factor is the only legitimate news source on the hashtag Axanar lawsuit as North Korean press is the only legit press on world affairs <laughs> to which, oh yes I did see that that did yeah, I chuckled pretty good at that one. To, to which both times it was posted, first by Nick himself on the the Axanar versus CBS page, and then once it was reposted by Carlos um, again, both times I, I posted something to the effect of um, CBS P tested, Imperious Leader approved, and then had a picture of the Imperious Leader from the original Battlestar Galactica. By your command. okay well on the topic of social media we should move on to community feedback so last week we had a single community question which was what are your thoughts on the featured episode and the rewards so we had some feedback via Stow Reddit, where Joak um, replied, "I enjoyed the interview and have been enjoying the show. Thank you." Um, Thank you for listening. So, and apologies for the sound quality last week. So, um, yeah. Marie keeps breaking or the team speak that they use. <laughs> everyone's blaming Maria (laughs) yeah I think there's an issue with the headsets that they have to use the speakers because when they plug in the headsets with splitters it just messes everything up so of course we're getting that feedback and echo Um, so um, yeah it's uh, a little bit frustrating, especially when it comes to editing and trying to remove it, and it's not working. 
<laughs> so, but, uh, oh well, um, hopefully you did enjoy the interview and you're actually able to get questions answered that you had. Um, on the Stowe forums, we had Bubba Hotep, who'd said, should have asked why torpedo speed hasn't been increased when they said it would be. Um, that would have been a question they wouldn't have been able to answer because they were artists. So, um, yeah, that's not really a question for the people we had on the show last week. Well, it's a, it's a, it's, they were the content designers, not the, not the make stuff. Get yeah, they're, they're not systems, yeah. So, um, yeah, that would have been um, other people who would have been in charge of doing that. So, um, son, did you want to read out Alex Wonger's reply? Hello there, Tribbles. Community question. Okay, this wouldn't be a full-blown review, but I will talk about some of the moments that made me scratch my head for one reason or another. He hid this in spoilers, so... yeah. Let's start at the beginning. Kumarki is in a conversation with Daemon Madron. First, without cheating, you could tell the difference between Madron and Quinn. Or could you tell the difference between Madron and Quinn? And if you remember Operation Gamma, we got to decide whether to destroy Farrakh or... Did I not just say this earlier? I have got to start reading the... Oh, God. Yeah, when we're yes, over the whole you, Ferengi Your foresight thing. was kicking in rather well. God burn! <laughs> Damn it, Alex! I'm reading my mind! And if you remember Operation Gamma, we got to decide whether to destroy Farrakh or let her go. Both Madron and Quinn did far worse things than Farrakh, so why did I have to put up with either of them instead of trying to arrest slash shoot them on sight? Second, I haven't played the Madron encounters in a while, but when I heard the voice, I thought, wait, is that Dave Revis? And for the uninitiated, it loves to throw Dave Revis at all those overacted, campy actors like Hakeev, Dr. Cooper, and a few, uh, and a few others. Funnily enough, he was also the voice of Captain Shone. And I don't think so. I think it might have been a sound-alike, because as far as I understand, Revis was let go specifically because he is not SAG-affiliated. So, I think it may have been a sound-alike, kind of like the new the new actor for Natan is a sound-alike for, um, for Brandon. Or was it... No, it was Anstall. That's it. Now, let's get into the episode proper. So, the Lakari did not evolve on this moon, but they settled here a long time ago after leaving their dying home world of Kintar. I, I just have to say, hearing when she said that, all I could think of is the, the Rugrats version of Godzilla Reptar. That's, that was the first thing that popped into my head, and then I realized no, that's Reptar, not Kintar. <laughs> 
so I apologize. Okay, I would like to know more about that, but I can't ask her. I can only I can only ask her about her rust bucket of a ship. Let's see if Kentar ever gets brought up again. The minigames, well, I appreciated how they fit into the narrative, but I would have liked it more if they had been spaced out. Did I not? Yes, son. We yeah, we were there. talking about this. Is this why you have me reading this, Midnight? Because you've pre-read this and, and, and are having the, the same reaction these two are about laughing their asses off over it. Oh no, I'm getting you to read it just for the pure fact that I'm struggling to breathe and the amount of text, it's difficult to keep um, reading that amount in one go. So <laughs> You could have made that all easier on yourself by saying yes. <laughs> I know I could have. And now for feedback from Alex. Go back to earlier on and listen to the start of the show. Alex, I have not read your... I did not read this before the show started. That's usually why I fumble all over myself reading it. I can back that up. I'm the one who took the information and put it here. It's still too damn funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzballs. Having all three of them within, like, five minutes of each other felt a little rushed. Uh, the protomatter explosion? Well, Kumarki rather casually mentions that the Lucari seem to know how to safely use it. When I heard that, I was like, did you just say what I think you said? But sadly, I'm at... I'm at the content designer's mercy when it comes to these tidbits. Down to the planet. The forensic reconstruction seemed conveniently accurate, but I will suspend my disbelief for that one. I get it. Puzzles need to conform to the lowest common denominator. Shrug. What gave me more pause was how Kumarki is suddenly the one calling the shots. I mean, I enjoy that I got a, a competent sidekick for once. But at the same time, the Lucari are supposed to be new to exploration. So this kind of hyper-competence feels so much more out of place. Let's see what happens next. Oh, right. We managed to open the temple and go inside and into a cave and take out our tricorders. And all we ever talk about are the residues of the protomatter explosion. What the f- are you all right there, son? I, I think I'm having a nervous breakdown reading everything that I've mentioned earlier on in the show coming out of Alex's mouth. Do you feel like you're having deja vu? Or like you're going through a temporal distortion? I feel like I'm in the Matrix, certainly enough, yes. Guys, we are standing in a cave with these strange crystals, and we have been taking tricorder scans. What did the sand say about the crystals? Do, do, do you see a pattern? A lot of things get butt up and I want to investigate them and nobody ever acknowledges them. I mean, throw in some event that interrupts our discussion. Throw in a line that we, we don't have time to discuss this because of something. 
but I'm standing here and wondering how many of these things will be forgotten or turned into one of those clever reveals Cryptic seems so overly fond of. Oh, and those three Starfleet officers that quote-unquote went native? One of them was called Sheridan. What was supposed to be the Babylon 5? Was that supposed to be a Babylon 5 reference? If so, I wouldn't... Or, or if so, wouldn't Sinclair have been more appropriate? Winky face. I I don't know. I've tried to find episodes of Battle, Babylon 5 online and I just can't do it. Verdict. I enjoyed the episode, but there are quite a few questions. And given Cryptic's track record, I wouldn't bet on them getting answered anytime soon, if at all. You know, like, hey, Jim Park, you know, he got poisoned. What the hell happened? Why are you debriefing me after being poisoned? And why do you, you know, why are you, why are you just casually going, yeah, but they talked us back into resuming peace talks. Uh, yeah, unanswered questions. Oh, right, the other part of the question. Well, I'm not sure which one of my characters might use it, but right now I'm thinking about trying a full disruptor build, including this set, on a KDF veteran destroyer, and see if I can get it to work with the disruptor lotus. Interesting thought. Yes, because... What we need more of is, is Autobot and Decepticon ships. Feedback. Okay, where do I begin? Son, I'm not sure if ship artists or the concept artists who made those sketches could answer your question. If I were you, I'd probably try to ask Captain Gecko or the lead artist Samuel Wall. Those two might have more of an insight into who came up with that idea and why. Since we're talking about the contest, I get why you don't see the semblance between Echo and Rufio? Is that, is, is that his name? Adar Ruafo. That was the the guy in Insurrection. Um, Adar Ruafo. See, I'm just as terrible with names as Midnight is, so there you go. Ru Ruafo's quote-unquote command ship, but you're Favorite search engine or ex astra science uh, scientia is that how it's said? I don't know. I don't care. To look for the Sona battleship, try to find a, a top bottom view, and then tell me how vaguely crescent shaped how how vaguely how a vaguely crescent shaped ship does not remind you of another. Vaguely crescent-shaped ship. Well, again, uh, again. Death Glider from Stargate. I'm more familiar with. I've watched. I I, I watched Ins Insurrection like once, once. I remember bits and pieces of it, but I don't remember all of it. So, it's probably something I need to see again. I think I'll skip the rants of yesteryear, hearts and minds, Klingon marketing ship design contest that does not have anything to do with actual designing a ship, because my opinions have not changed since then. Now, to something more serious. I know there is an unofficial dev tracker on Twitter. I use it. 
I've linked it in Twitch chat before. There is no link to it on the official forums, however. It has never been officially advertised. For me, and some, most of your listeners, it exists, but for average Joe, there's no official death tracker. This is not about me, and this is not about the minority of players that actually use the forums and make important communications. Uh, this is not about me. This is about the majority of players that actually use the forums and making important communications more accessible to them. I'm with you there. About the anniversary infographic. I know simple minds like to look for simple answers, but there is no simple answer coming up, so... Doomsayers should just move along. And now, let's talk. When Steven Rokosa said that they didn't have time to put together an infographic, you may take that at face value. I follow other games. I flat out said so. Considering my experience with those games, I also hear the statement that they didn't take the time. See, if their numbers had doubled as an increase of 100%, they would have made time to publish an infographic, or maybe even an official press release. It is unthinkable that they wouldn't brag about such a success. Even a 50% increase would have been phenomenal. So when they didn't have the time, we can safely assume that their numbers weren't quote-unquote good enough. Now we could discuss until the end of eternity what quote-unquote good enough means, but that's not the point. The point is, you skip an infographic, you skip an opportunity to brag, and that will give me pause. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. That's where a state-of-the-game kind of blog might be helpful. Give us a glimpse into the future. You will not win over doomsayers, but there are people who might be willing to listen. But I digress. Some people will just jump to doom, whereas I will start looking for more clues because not good enough can mean very minor increase, uh, uh, can mean a very minor increase, or stagnation, or yes, it can theoretically mean decline. Getting an expansion is generally a fantastic sign. That expansion being rather light on content, less so. Getting console versions is very good. But we went over a lot of missteps in the last few feedbacks. That is why I look forward to the next anniversary. No matter what happens, that one will be a rather big clue. See, saying doom is easy. MMOs are complicated. But there are certain things that are pretty much... Uh, there are certain things that pretty much all companies do. And you need to be aware of the connotations associated with them. Well, thank you very much for your feedback, as always. Now, I had to step away when it came to feedback about um, the featured um, episode for Star Trek Online. Um, but no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah, sort of as has been said, they could have gone into a lot more, even if it was an optional thing, sort of more about the crystals. Um, there's a lot of things that sort of went on when it came to the recreation. Um, seemed a little bit too easy. Um, 
but yeah, altogether, it was thoroughly enjoyable, and it was great to have a more of a sort of exploration mission, um, sort of very non-combat. Um, yeah, there's just the one piece of combat in it, so it was nice to have a more, sort of, as a lot of people would consider it, Star Trek mission. Well, it was it was a it was a very Star Trek episode because mm. it was a four it was, you know it was we had four parts to it and between each part would kind of have you know if it was a TV show that would have been a commercial break in between. So you've got the one part where you're meeting the the Geckley and tagging the Geckley and following the Geckley around and Geckley 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 and feeding ground, Cosmozoan Nursery. Okay, cool. Commercial. Next part, we're scanning asteroids and radiation and we're detecting more Cosmozoans because Stellar Nursery. Then we meet the Farpoint aliens. Okay, cool. Commercial. Then we find a planet where protomatter problem happen and we go down to investigate civilization. Turns out civilization exists uh, existed and had 23rd Century Federation there at one point. Then we find the center of the protomatter bomb and yet somehow conveniently for, <laughs> forget to take scans of all this other crap that we were supposedly investigating because exploration commercial. Then we get drug up to a space station which, well, now this explains why these 23rd Century Federation people were down on this planet and Oh, by the way, it's been taken over by this menacing Ferengi we started the we saw at the beginning of the entire episode to begin with because why the hell not? So we have to take we ha you know we Federation or Klingon have to wrest control from this money grubbing Ferengi who wants to station for his own to make a casino or what the hell ever out of it. <gasps> okay. Then we rest control, and we take control of the station for ourselves. Scene. End of episode. So, yeah. Um, I thought it was, sort of, as I said, very sort of Star Trek in the way it was put together. Um, as I said, I think there should, could have been a little bit more in places, even if it would be something optional where sort of accolades could have been given. Um, I must admit, with the way that we saw a lot of the space creatures, um, when I first sort of started doing the mission, I did think it was the crystalline entity that had actually stripped bare the planet. But somehow that particular location may have been covered by some of the sort of rock facing which made that survive. Um, that was my initial thought until we started going further in to the mission. Um, so yeah, it was nice not to have sort of guessed what was happening um, straight away. But no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and hopefully this week I'll get a bit more time to go through it and try and have a look around the map a little bit more to see if there is anything to it. Because I know sometimes there are little things around some of the maps but um yeah i hadn't heard anything so probably won't do but i'll still enjoy going to have a look 
and get the time this week. So, um, so yeah, that's my feedback on the mission. Okay. Um, a reminder to everyone that, of course, we do have Tribbles Fleets. Um, Federation, it is Tribbles in Ecstasy Psy Fleet. And for the KDF, it's Targs in Ecstasy. And of course, we have the Tribbles in Ecstasy Fleet in Timelines. So, please let us know if you'd like to join. Um, we are looking to try and organise... Um, some things for the fleet so hopefully we can get those sorted in the coming weeks um, but we shall let you know when we have something for definite now you also have to remember that the more people we have in the fleet and the more active that we are as a fleet the easier it is to get these um, activities going and, and keep them going and, and keep things up and running and all that sort of fun. So, yeah, if if you see the the handle at DW Wolf W O L F E in game, that's mine. Uh, feel free to hit me up, and uh, if you we can I can get you into uh, either fleet should that be your your want. Um, otherwise, you can drop a mail, and I'll be more than happy to try to catch up with you when I can. I, I I I hear the Tribbles back there eating grain. <laughs> yes, my great nephew and a friend of his have uh, decided to come over and create noise. Uh, they are partaking in in dismantling the, the, the your great... house block by block. Well, no, the 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 great grain giveaway of what four days ago. Ah, oh, they're just playing. <laughs> Okay, because I could have sworn I kept hearing candy! Candy! Okay. No, they named one of the uh, cars Randy. Oh. <laughs> and they're fighting over who gets to play with Randy. Okay. Well, I could me. go so dirty with that, but with kids involved, it is so wrong. Yes, no, don't do that. Okay, community questions for this week. Um, did you actually play Hearts and Mind on um, the 13th, on 13th, on Halloween? So if you did, what's your opinion of that mission? And um, did the new lighting effects um, make it any better or worse for you? Another question. Did you play What Lies Beneath for Halloween? And if so, did the new lighting effects affect how you played that game and how the atmosphere felt? Well, that was actually part of um, another question that I've got. Um, the third one. So, Studog had the question, did you want us to check into anything for the combat log segment that we went through earlier? The third question is, how are you finding the new lighting updates and what have you found is the best mission or place that really makes these changes shine? Um, so in Sun's case, she's asking about what lies beneath. So um, question four is, if you place Star Trek timelines, 
what do you think are the most recent changes to the UI and to the shop? So, let us know. Okay. That's it for this week. So, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can get us all over the internet. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, StarTrekRiser.com and Player.me. And you can find us at Tribbles in XTC. You can get us in syndication at trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net every Wednesday. You can also get us in syndication on iTunes and Google Play. And we'd be grateful for any feedback and ratings you would give us on those. And if you'd like to email us, you can get us at hosts at tribblesandecstasy.com and you can also leave us a message via speakpipe at speakpipe.com forward slash tribblesandxtc or by using the speakpipe widget on any of the official posts on holosuitemedia.com And yes, Sybil, quadriticale does cause ADD. That's a sexual division disease. But it's only in tribbles. Okay. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for all those joining us in the chat. And thank you all for listening. And we will catch you all next week. Goodbye, everyone. Fly straight, shoot hard. Farewell. Cheerio. satellite radio for our remastered shows and more you can follow us on twitter at tribbles in xtc or if you have any questions or comments please send an email to tribbles in ecstasy at gmail.com join us next week for another episode of tribbles in ecstasy the only place where tribbles and klingons are friends